Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is a football Friday. Yeah, here we go. And we got BYU and Utah State tonight. Then with the Utes off, you can watch whatever you want on Saturday. National games, regional games, whatever conference you want to follow. BYU fans will probably be looking at Big 12 games. Pac-12 fans will be looking at... Or Utah fans will be looking at Pac-12 games, and Utah State fans can follow the Mountain West. So everybody can do their own thing. Then we got the NFL on Sunday. I do want to say this about the NFL. There are many unknowns, and it's three games down, 14 to go. We got miles and miles to go. But I do think we can identify two playoff teams right now. The Rams are 3-0 and look really good. And the Cowboys... That division is terrible. (laughs) Now, it was terrible last year, too, but Dak Prescott was hurt, and that made the Cowboys terrible last year. They got Prescott back, and now we can argue about whether they're a B-minus or a B-plus team, and some of you hardcore Cowboy fans are like, they're an A, Uh, whatever. B-minus is going to win that division. The Cowboys are there. The only way the Rams and the Cowboys get derailed is injuries. And there's 14 games to go, so it can happen. So there are no guarantees. Nobody's clinched anything. But everything else being equal, you can see the Rams and Cowboys' path to the playoffs. If you don't believe in 3-0 Arizona, okay. Uh, A lot of people would pencil Green Bay in, and they would say Chicago is mediocre at best. Detroit is bad. Minnesota is mediocre at best. Green Bay is going to win that division. Well, you're probably right. But I think right now, let's just stick to the Rams and Cowboys. Those are the two I really believe in. The AFC West will be interesting, but the big game in the AFC West is Monday night with the Chargers and the Raiders. Chargers already beat the Chiefs on the road, so another division win would be a big deal for them. Um, But I think this is a division, a couple things in the AFC West. I don't think there's any really bad teams in the division. Everybody is at least mediocre, and probably good. Don't know that we have any very good or great teams. It's not a division that has great wins. What they have right now is they've won a lot of games they should win. I mean, Chargers and Chiefs was a division game. They had to split that. And they got a lot of games in this division they should win this year. They're playing the NFC East, which is bad. Now, the Chargers are already through two of their four games, but everybody's going to get four games against the NFC East. So that ought to pump up everybody's record. All right, we'll get to more NFL as the morning gets along. Right now, some college football. Chaz Ayu, BYU vet. This guy's been through it, and he is ready for the crowd in Logan. He met with the media, the Cougars, with a true road game for the first time this year. And, of course, last year with either no crowds or restricted crowds, they didn't really play true road games. So it's been a minute since a lot of these guys have been in a really hostile stadium, but they will definitely see that tonight. Here's Chaz Ayu with the media. Chaz, writing an article about Encore, the agency that you uh, have a deal with or through, um, what's your experience in Encore? Uh, It's been a lot of fun working with these guys. They're very creative. Um, They're just trying to find different ways that they can get us uh, building a brand. Um, So it's been pretty cool how they've been reaching out to us and giving us different opportunities. Um, whether it's like we're going to start up a Twitch thing going up pretty soon. Um, and, I mean, you see the thing that they just did with uh, Caleb Lohner down in Lake Powell. So, you know, they're just t- trying to find all these creative ways to get um, all their, their athletes money. So it's been really cool. How did you get involved with them? Did they reach out to you or just take me through that? 
Uh, yeah, just through a, a, a doctor that I would train with over the off season. Um, he kind of just introduced me to, to Brian Fagan, who kind of runs Encore. And that's kind of how our relationship started. So um, as soon as, as the NIL thing was passed and they let us start getting paid, I signed a contract with them right away. So as of right now, is Sports Illustrated your only deal or do you have others? Um, I'm with Sports Illustrated. I'm with KSO doing a, uh, a podcast, oh, a weekly right. podcast with them. Um, I'm signed with a company called Deliver, um, which is a company out here in Orem. That's, they're kind of still a startup company right now. So there's been some things that they're having to work through before I really get to actually work with them. Um, and then there's some other things that are in the works as well. Chaz, I'm just curious hearing you talk about all that. I imagine it between football and doing those things and doing, you know, the social stuff and school. How do you manage everything? Uh, I thought it would be a lot harder, but they do a pretty good job at making sure that they work around our schedules. So any company that works, that reaches out to us has to understand that, you know, football and school and, you know, our lives are going to come before that. Um, so they handle it very professionally and they make it very uh, manageable for us to, to do those deals and, you know, kind of meet the standards that they want us to, to meet. Just one more thing to add to the list, I guess, for you guys. Yeah. I, I want, <laughs> let's talk about uh, getting ready for this game. You've been on a lot of road games and, you know, Logan's a fun place to play. The, the crowd's right there on top of you, really. And what do you do to prepare personally and, and how much do you enjoy going into a hostile setting? I love it. I, I love going into the more hostile the environment, the better for me. Uh, that kind of just brings out a different competitive uh, side to me, in my opinion. Um, especially up at Utah State, their fans like to talk a lot. Their players like to talk a lot. So it's going to be a really high intensity game. And, you know, uh, I think it just brings out, you know, the more confidence and more of my swag that, that I like to put into my game. Okay, let's uh, go Sean Walker and then Norma Gonzalez. Yes, that's almost uh, almost exactly what I was going to ask you was about that crowd up there and, and how how much of a – because we asked the guys this yesterday and got kind of a mix of responses. How much of a, of a rivalry is this BYU-Utah State rivalry? And is it maybe a lot bigger for some of you guys who kind of grew up here on the Wasatch Front? Obviously, you grew up kind of watching both teams and, and even going to both games somewhat and that kind of thing. Not saying you were ever an Aggie fan or anything, but, but is it maybe a little bit more of a rivalry just – when you're in this state and kind of grow up around BYU and Utah state and, and sort of what, what this series is. Uh, you know, it's always going to be called a rivalry. I mean, we're trying to win all of our in-state games um, as well as Boise state. And so, you know, those, those are kind of the teams that, you know, are kind of pointed out by more specifically the media um, and fans, but, you know, for us, it's, it's another game, you know, it's another chance to prove to ourselves, uh, you know, who we are, another game to improve. And, you know, we, we, I think our team has a very future set mindset where we're not just, um, you know, the rivalry games aren't the only important games to us. You know, we're, we're striving for something bigger than just winning a rivalry game. So I think that our mindset right now is kind of just, um, you know, stick to our thing, focus on, on the game that's coming up and just take it day by day. Norma, go ahead. Yeah, Chad, sort of along the same lines. How would you describe, 
I mean, you already talked about it a little bit, but how would you describe USU fans? Like, can you get more specific on just like where you'd rank them in the list of like opponents, fans and whatnot? Man, I don't know if I could rank them, but I would definitely say that they're the type of crowd that you love to have on your side. Um, you know, that's a crowd that, you know, they, they love talking to the players. They love getting rowdy. Uh, I remember back in 2019 when pregame, they were doing all these different chants, man, trying to get in all of our heads. And, uh, you know, the team was talking to, it got pretty heated with the team. So, I mean, I would say for, for Utah State, I bet that's a, a fun crowd to have behind their back. And, you know, as a, an opponent, it's a fun crowd to, to quiet down. So uh, I think that's pretty much my, my mindset going into that game. Yeah, and are you guys doing anything differently during practices to prepare for this hostile crowd? Like I know Villanova last week was practicing with leaf blowers to kind of try to simulate crowd noise. Are you guys doing anything crazy like that? Uh, no, I mean, I think playing in the Ville Edwards Stadium is a perfect prep for that. Uh, the stadium has been electric for the last three weeks in a row. So um, I think as far as crowd noise and all of that, I think we've been able to adapt and um, been able to kind of grow as a team and learning how we need to communicate and play with a, a loud environment. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, Chaz, I just wanted to ask you about your guys' play in the defensive secondary so far this year. How would you evaluate how you guys have done? Um, you know, I'm always going to be really hard on how we played as a, as a secondary. I think we've left a lot of plays on the field. Um, there's been a lot of communication errors that we had throughout the first three games. And I think this fourth game, even though it was ugly, I think our communication was, at least on the back end, was a lot better. Um, and so I'm actually really excited to see uh, this next week, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of things polished and I think we'll we'll do a lot better this week. We saw you move up into more of, I guess, a, I'd call it a hybrid linebacker role against USF. Is that something you've been working on for a while now or was that just kind of a one-time deal? Uh, you know, it was just something that I stepped into this week. Um, but this offseason, I, I prepared for, for everything. Um, I trained to play corner, safety, and linebacker. So I was working with multiple different trainers trying to get right with that. So I feel like I'm. Uh, it wasn't really too hard for me to step up and and learn that position. We got time for one more question. Um, Sean, go ahead. Chaz, I accidentally uh, remuted myself after my last one, so I apologize. But I just wanted a really quick follow up about the the. I I think you guys in Utah State play for maybe the most underrated rivalry trophy uh, in America in that wagon wheel. It's a pretty cool trophy. What, what was your first experience with that wheel? And I'm trying to get a sense from different players about how heavy that thing is. Like, could you ever uh, maybe try to lift it up by yourself or how heavy is it? I wouldn't even want to try. I mean, I remember I got a little glimpse of it. Um, last time we went up there in 2019 and that thing is heavier than it appears, man. That thing is, it's a pretty dense little, little wagon wheel. So it's heavier than people would expect. There's BYU's Chaz you. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, how about a little football with Lincoln Kennedy? Pac-12 network analyst, Raider radio analyst with Brent Musburger on the broadcast here, right here on the zone. We will talk NFL and Pac-12 with him Next, stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. 
The Aggies welcome in BYU to Maverick Stadium for another chapter in their long rivalry with the Cougars. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play -play action, beginning with the Aggie pregame show Friday at 6 on 1280 AM, with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play -play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football the 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, guys, with all the initials, DJ, PK, ESPN, everything else that's going on. So how are you guys doing today? <laughs> Pretty good, LK. We're good. <laughs> there you go, see? <laughs> DJ. It, rolls, it just rolls right off. <laughs> DJ, PK, and LK together again. <laughs> All day. Here we go. That's all good. <laughs> Three and zero. Oh, how long will the dream last? Got a Monday night game coming up with the two and one Chargers. I mean, it's early to say it's a big game, but it's a division game by two teams that are off to good starts. So it's certainly interesting. Even if you want, don't want to put well, the I think big it's game gigantic. label on it. Gigantic. Well, I, I do. Game yeah. four. Monday night we game. Got, we got gigantic early in the, in the first mm. month of the season. Yeah, look, look. For the most part, guys, I will say this: that even though the Raiders are three and zero, oh, they still have a number of holes on both sides of the ball, in all facets of the ball. And they've made a, you know, a few games interesting, way more interesting than they should have been. But uh, the Chargers are a good football team. And I've, I've thought all this season um, that uh, you know, this is probably one of the more competitive, more difficult divisions in all of football. Um, so I, I, you know, I just figure that these teams are going to beat up on each other, probably take advantage of home field advantage. Uh, throughout the season. So it, it's going to be a big test for the Raiders coming into to Los Angeles and playing the Chargers. Yeah, the way I look at this from the Raider perspective, I mean, the Chargers are a challenger, but you look at somebody like Carr and Waller, I mean, they're outstanding. I mean, I think Carr yeah. is just kicking butt. But in that division, you know, we think of Mahomes and Kelsey, two, right. two players at those positions. So here's a chance on national television, literally no other games going on, as we know, that they can really show the world, hey, this, particularly these two guys, we're just as good, if not better, because it seems like there's a little crack going on with the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm one of those guys, because I lived through it, that believes in the words Super Bowl hangover. I'm not, coming into the season, I didn't think the Chiefs were going to be able to make a run this year. I thought the rest of the AFC had caught up with them enough where the Chiefs might be down. Now I'm not going to say that they're going to have like a four and twelve record like I did uh, when I when I played the year after the Super Bowl. But I think that there's there's a little bit of a bigger chink in the armor, if you will. But that being aside, when it comes to the Chargers and and playing the game, you know Gruden, who's typically a conservative coach, is going to have his hands full because if he doesn't find a way to look, the, the running game's not where they want it by week four at, at any stretch of the imagination. The running game is not there. The offensive line is still a process in work, and the scheme is still a, a work in process, progress, I should say. Um, but it's, it's, it's not where they want it. So they're going to have to find a way to find other ways to control the time of possession because for what it's worth, Justin Herbert and this offensive unit for the Chargers has gotten progressively better, and they have weapons. So it's not like you want to turn the ball over to them and get into a shootout, but it might very well look like one of the old uh, Raider versus Kansas City games over the last couple of years where it is an offensive shootout. So I'm really, over the last few years, really bought in the idea that you kind of 
tiptoed around right there, you alluded to it, that a work in progress, that's what the NFL is. It was really on full display with the Bucks last year, who were clearly yeah. a better team in November than they were in September, and they were clearly a better team in January than they were in November. And I think this goes against what a lot of fans think. Hey, these guys are pros. They're at the height of their profession, and they go out and do it. But these teams have got to improve. Can winning football in September win later? Or even the teams that start off 3-0 and have got to be better in December and January. There was um, – I'm trying to remember which coach said it. But in my playing, my playing days, if you win in November, December, you play in January. And so there's a rhythm. Uh, Gruden was always about separating the season in quarters. This is the first quarter. The first four games is the first quarter. Depends on how you come out. Now, right now, the Raiders are sitting in a good situation, being three and zero. They've beaten three teams that had at least ten wins last year. Uh, two of them were playoff teams. They're going up against another good football team that's always played them well because they're in the division. And you know, I think there's you know no 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 definitive strike against Anthony Lynn, but his coaching staff over the last couple of years just mismanaged the Chargers in closing out games. That's one of the reasons why their record was there what it was. But with that being said, going forward, they've gotten a rhythm about themselves. They've gotten a rhythm, especially to where they are right now at two and one. This is going to be a difficult task. One, you know, because it's the Raiders and the Chargers, and they've always been historically challenging towards one another. We've always played challenging games when we played one another. Um, and, but two, you know, I think the Chargers are playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. When you turn on the TV Monday night, you're going to probably see a lot more silver and black in the stands than you are going to see blue and gold. That's to be expected. And now the Chargers, since they're a good football team, really have a point to prove that this is they, they want their spot in L.A. So they're going to be even more motivated playing. So these are the little things that come into game day actions that are going to work, you know, whether in a team's favor or against them. But it, nonetheless, it's, it's a game that you get amped for, and it's a game that should be interesting to watch. So you've already said you thought there'd be a little bit of hangover for the Chiefs, and they're sitting there at one and two. Broncos are three and zero. Then, with that in mind, and we know the Raiders are three and zero. Who do you list as the favorite in the division? I'm one of these guys that prove that that wants to say that you don't know what you can do until you prove it and go out there and play against somebody. Um, with that being said, I've come into the season saying that. The, the Broncos were eventually figure it out. Now, I know they didn't play teams that, that had winning records last year, so it's really kind of a stretch to see how good their 3-0 and is. But I do believe that the Chargers were a good team since they found Justin Herbert and all the offensive weapons and what they had on defense even before they found Justin Herbert. And I thought the Raiders were going to be competitive. So when you talk about standout and divisions, the Chiefs are going to be competitive. There's no way that you can discount a good quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and that offense and what they've done. They just have another a, a number of other other distractions. With that being said, when it comes down to playoff time, I don't expect the Chiefs to win the playoffs. I mean, to to be in the playoffs, I expect them to probably be knocking on the door for a wild card. But in the in the interim, the rest of the teams in this division are going to beat up on each other. And I really don't know. I think you know this weekend coming in with the Raiders and the Chargers is going to be a telltale sign of who's probably going to take the initial step. To, to, to maybe uh, govern the division, but right now it's really too early to tell. 
Are there uh, any of the teams at uh, two and one that really jump out at you? We're not talking about them because they're undefeated, but hey, th- these are pretty good football teams. They lost an early game, so what? I got them circled. They're going to be really good by the end of the year. No, you know what? In all honesty, guys, because my my work with college football as well yeah. as with the Raiders, I haven't really been able to sit down and watch a lot of football games. So there's there's a lot to be missed within the first month of the season, and especially when you come out of preseason. You know what the Raiders did in preseason? I, I thought was just it was just wrong, um, not playing a lot of their starters and it taking a little bit of a rough start. Now they're fortunate to be three and zero. There's no doubt about it, because this team, in my opinion, the Raiders still have a lot of flaws that can be exploited. And once it comes across a good football team, they probably will be exploited. Um, I think they were very fortunate to face. The, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Dolphins, who have all had offensive line issues and really had issues at the quarterback position and protecting the quarterback. And, and, you know, the Ravens, without their star running backs and stuff like that, really had to depend on other things or other people uh, coming out the gate, Lamar Jackson. And, and they were fortunate enough to win, as well as in Pittsburgh, as well as last week uh, against, you know, the, the Dolphins, uh, because they made that game far more interesting than they had. But... Um, I still think this team has a lot of flaws. And, and as I said a moment ago, it's going to be, it, it, there's going to come a good team, and it might be the balance attack for this team that they're facing this, this Monday night that's going to exploit those flaws and really challenge this team to really step up in many other ways than it hadn't expected yet. There's a number of teams in the league that are 0-3, and I can safely say I feel confident in saying those teams suck, and they'll, <laughs> they'll continue to suck. Right, so I got that at zero and three, but I'm really intrigued by teams that are three and zero, right? Because I don't know that I can say, well, those teams are going to be great. The Raiders yeah. being the one, Broncos both in the yeah. same division. You got in the in the uh, across the board in the NFC West. The the Rams I think are going to be good. The Cardinals right. are three and zero, but I'm not sure. So it's kind of funny in that. Why if you're if you're zero and three, I know you suck. But if you're three and zero, I don't know if you're really good yet. Is that fair? Uh, very fair, very fair. Because you really don't know what to. You know, here's the thing: when you look at somebody like the Broncos, you have to take in consideration that they're playing basically a last place schedule. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 taking on teams. You know, I think it's the Giants, the Jaguars, and who was the other one? But they didn't have you know had a combined limited number of wins over the last couple of years. So you, you take that in consideration, okay? It is what it is, but still the fact that they're 3-0. I've said all along the Broncos were eventually going to figure it out. They're going to get a piece at quarterback, and they've been dipping and dabbing with Aaron Rodgers and other things, but Teddy Bridgewater has been solid for them. They have weapons on offense. We know about it. They've been a quarterback away of being competitive, and now because of their schedule, they are competitive, and they're up in the upper upper ranks. I don't necessarily think they're as good as their record says, but it is what it is. You have to deal with it when you have to deal with it. And the Raiders have to cross that path when they do, playing them twice this season. Um, as far as other teams go in the National Football League, it's look, the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did something that no other team has done, especially after winning a Super Bowl. They brought their entire team back, the same team back. They got hot because of their defense in the latter part of the last year. And I'm still convinced, as much people want to anoint Tom Brady uh, in, this, in this episode, that the fact that you know he threw three interceptions in an NFC championship game, they shouldn't have won that football game. 
They, they, they should not have won that football game. It's, when you lose a turnover battle, you're not supposed to win games statistically. But because of their defense, they were that much better. With that being said, going forward, they still are a strong team. And I think the NFC is competitive. I think that you saw that with the Rams because the moment the Rams got Matthew Stafford, I mean, I put $100 down on 32-1 to 1 odds that they would be in the NFC Championship. I said they're going to win the Super Bowl. I said they're going to be in the NFC Championship. So they're on the way, and my bet is still good. Um, <laughs> but, but for the most part, you know, it's still up in the air because there have been so many intangibles due to preseason, due to post-COVID uh, from last year, so many intangibles with so many teams that it's still a long season. And promise, I'll promise you guys this, with that 17th game, that's going to have a lot of coaches being try to be creative and smart in how to defend some of their players midway through the season. And you might get people who are sitting down and resting just because they, they, they want to try to protect them for the end of the season. You know, in the Pac-12, uh, the Pac-12 South is not good, but it mm. might end up being entertaining because right. there aren't any dominant teams. And if everybody's, you know, getting a B and nobody's getting an A, then... Well, it's entertaining. There's six games with these four teams head-to-head. It seems like four teams can all make a case. Hey, we might be the team that does it. Why not us? Arizona and Colorado can't make that case, but everybody else has a chance to make a case. With that said, UCLA and Arizona State have the first of those six head-to-head matchups. Do you like either team one more than another? Is this the kind of thing you watch just because, man, I don't know what's going to happen in this game? UCLA. I think UCLA is the team to beat in the South. Now, I think they're you know looking at them and watching film on them. They've got some pieces in place. They've made some minor mistakes along the way, but things that can be coachable. I think UCLA is is the one who's going to take the south. Do you think that if they got behind, they'd be able to play catch up a little bit? Because it seems like they're more of a running team. They've had a couple yeah. of good runners. Yeah. But I'm not sure that DTR. If you could just say, "Boys, get on my back. I'm going to take you home." Yeah, I mean, I think that is it's a great point. I, I, and I do think there's some validity to that point. Um, it's, but, you know, the thing is, is that overall in the South, I don't see offensive firepower that's going to be able to step it up on a consistent basis to stretch them and really put the panic, push the panic button for them. Uh, DTR is not going to be able to lead them back. I, I think the running game is going to be balanced enough to, to, to keep teams, opposing teams on their heels. Okay. Obviously, the Utes have had to deal with the ultimate tragedy here, losing two t- yeah, teammates dying yeah. within a year. I mean, it's just awful. It's just yeah. it's brutal. I, I'm curious if you went through anything like that in your career, if there's anything you can draw, if you've had that experience, anything you can explain, or uh, like the rest of us, you just you shake your head and you feel awful. No, you shake your head. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is sad. I do believe there's way too much violence in this world. Um, but I also know that, you know, Back in my day, we were never told to stay clear of parties or don't hang out and have good times. It just wasn't a senseless meaning to life and death. I mean, you, you, you have a blatant disrespect for life in the world today, and, and it's sad. And it really, as a parent to three children who are teenagers right now and looking to go to college, you know, I don't, I don't know where to put them at because, let's face it, you know, when parents meet with coaches about potential scholarships for them to go on and try to better themselves, the mindset is that I'm turning my child over to you. I want you to protect them. I want you to, to nourish them. I want them to grow under your tutelage. 
you don't ever expect that you're turning over your child and you're never going to see him again. And and unfortunately, this is the world that we live in. And so it's hard. You know, my heart and my sentiment goes out to the family, obviously, as well as to the Utah program. I mean, the, the, the tragedies that they have, they've been before, they faced with them uh, over the past year is just senseless and unimaginable in many respects. Um, so it, it really is a, a tragedy in its own. Lincoln Kennedy, our Pac-12 and NFL analyst calling Raider games. He's with us every week. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Greg Rubel is not with us every week. But PK's got a loaded question for Greg. He's answered it before. Will he answer it now? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Sataki and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with the post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to bring in Greg Rubel, longtime radio voice of the BYU Cougars. BYU at Utah State tonight from the Big 12 to basketball to tonight's game, to the rest of this schedule, and where are the Cougars headed this year, and what are the big hurdles? Here's Greg Rubel talking Cougar football with PK and I. He joined us late in yesterday's show. Might be some tomorrow night references, but Greg knows the game is tonight. Here's Greg with PK and I. Greg, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so he's going with Rush because it's a Canadian, but I, I would think Rubes would like maybe Neil Young, Drake, or Ann Murray. Bring them all on. <laughs> that's that. That's the start of a great playlist right there, PK. Just max out on Canadians, huh? But the star, but but the song you brought me in with, you know, speaks to all of us, right? Because it's the spirit of radio, and we all believe in that. We uh, do on the first and fifteenth. I especially do. <laughs> <laughs> I just get paid once a month. BYU is four and zero. They are nationally ranked. The number one reason for this great start in your mind is good football, good complimentary football. I mean, they're taking care of it. They're not giving it away. Uh, they're scoring when they get the opportunity, uh, especially the last game. Um, defense has been really solid. Um, they're they're finding a way to be resilient. They've faced adversity in every game. Team comes back a little bit. And then BYU uh, does what it has to do to, to cl- kind of close things out. It's been good football. It's just been really solid. I, 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 you know, you, you could take a look at different areas and say they could be better here or there. But I really do feel when it comes to that phrase of complimentary football, um, every side is doing what's, what, what's, you know, what it's taken to, to win four games at this juncture. How much credit do you think in this circumstance goes to the consistency and the quality of the coaching staff? Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm so impressed with, with the way A-Rod's called the first four games, and not that anybody should be surprised by it. He was, you know, deeply involved in play calling prior to his current assignment. But I just love the way he's kind of game by game, you know, brought this team along and brought them through. And, and you know, his mantra is, 
don't do the things that get you beat. And, and that's what BYU has been done, you know, doing a good job of. You know, uh, you know, very few ill-timed penalties, uh, very few giveaways, the kinds of things that kind of wreck your opportunity to play consistent football. His, aggr- his mindset is aggressive um, in particular parts of the field, but he's not reckless. Uh, he's done you know, the, the, the things that have brought Jaron Hall along. Uh, he's had to make a quarterback shift, a uh, quarterback sh- uh, switch three games in. And, and, and got similar uh, results than he had with, with, with the other guys. So I, I just think A-Rod's been tremendous at how this season has started. Um, you know, Coach Tuiaki and Coach Sitake now uh, have worked on their defense together now into a sixth season, and I think you see how they like to play the game, and, and they're dealing with some adversity right now in terms of personnel, finding a way to kind of grind through it. And, and there's a lot to be said for the continuity in the staff. And, and other staffs have brought it up when talking about BYU, that even though A-Rod's quote-unquote the new OC, he's really not that new. And, and everything else that they've brought, you know, is most of, you know, coaches back from last year. Uh, the additions of Coach Funk and Coach Clune have already seemed to pay some dividends. Uh, I think the coaching staff is a big, big part of it, PK. So as BYU prepares for Utah State – Obviously, a lot of guys leave the previous game injured, um, mm-hmm. and there's a you know whole wide range of what is possible, who could be missing, who could be back, and in my mind, some of them are not a big deal because I think the next guy up has already shown that he can play at a pretty high level. In my mind, I have zero idea how high level some of the other backups can play at, so as not to load the question and bias it too much, PK's been calling me out on that. I'm curious uh, where you've got more confidence and where you've got less confidence. Well, I think the Keenan Peely loss is you know, almost irreplaceable. Um, it's, you know, things were moving along pretty well, and so much talk about the, you know, at that time, you know, 2-0, 3-0, and, uh, but, but losing Keenan Peely, there's no one really like him. Um, you know, it's, it's like Utah State losing you know, Justin Rice or Utah losing a Devin Lloyd. It's, it's, it's that kind of importance. Um, you just don't have someone like him. Uh, you can sh- shuffle some pieces around, but that's a that that's a loss BYU is going to feel you know the whole season. And and it's 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 an ex-band mentality, but he was a pretty special man. You lost, and, and so now it's you you do drop down a notch, and and you have to find a way to make do. Um, I, I think guys, if you look if you look at from the from the season opener against Arizona, to what BYU might put on the field or, or did put on the field, let's say against South Florida. I think there were four guys on defense in the same spot. And that's just four weeks in. So football has been and is a brutal sport, and the war of attrition is, is raging at BYU right now. And they're, they're 4-0 despite hardships and despite adversity. That defense has been banged up and is showing up in a lot of different places on the field. Uh, like I said, more than half the defense looks different from game one to game four in that starting eleven. We saw when the Devils came in and after they left, they were talking about the crowd and all that and may have contributed to some of their penalties, although they you know they had 10 against SUU at home, so I don't necessarily buy that. I think it's a lack of discipline that has plagued the program for many years. But nevertheless, they spoke of that, and where I'm going with this is this is BYU's first true road game because we were there, I was there in, in Vegas, and obviously that was on the road. It wasn't at home anyway, but the crowd was by and large for the Cougars for sure. Now they're not going to have the same level of uh, attendance 
at the Maverick Stadium, but it's it's going to be raucous and all. Do you you put any stock into BYU being in this environment for the first time and may cause issue? Well, they're prepping so that it won't be, but back to what you said about BYU's environment, um, you know, it clearly had an impact in one particular series uh, for Arizona State. And, and 10 penalties to 16 penalties is still a pretty decent jump. And, and that jump can be found in the number of false starts Arizona State had in the rock section end of the stadium, I think, that night. So, so it, it had an impact on that night. South Florida, I really credit for not having it or not letting it be uh, much of an impact. Now, the crowd wasn't the same. Uh, there were fewer people and the energy wasn't quite as amped up. But I really applaud Timmy McLean and USF for, for playing a pretty clean game that way because it was still loud enough, and, and USF did a nice job of, of not having it be an issue. If you go back at it, uh, DJ and PK, this is the first truly hostile crowd BYU's faced since their last trip to Logan. I mean, none of the road games since that game two years ago at Maverick could be considered hostile. Uh, you know, they played at Coastal when there were 5,000 fans during the COVID year. Um, that same year in 2019, they played San Diego State, but, you know, nobody really shows up or had been showing up um, there. This is the, the first. You've got to go two years to find an environment that makes you work to keep your focus. And, and so BYU's offense has been inside this week in the IPF. Um, the big speaker's out blasting it. And like, you know, A-Rod told me Monday, yeah, you get annoyed by it. Your ears are ringing after 90 minutes, but it's something you have to do uh, because we haven't seen it in a while. We're going to see it on Friday night. The BYU bench has been moved from the west side to the east side, which puts the, the Cougars in front of the student section. Um, so these little distractions that come up, BYU is trying to prep to, uh, you know, kind of uh, withstand the impact of them on Friday night. Greg Rubel joining us, BYU play-by-play voice. I'm curious, uh, as you kind of look at scores, you maybe get to see some of the games, depending on kickoff times and all that. With two-thirds of the schedule in front of you, who are the big tests for BYU, and who do you think they can sail through pretty easily? Well, you know, Utah State, Boise State, is, is, is that's a tough little back-to-backer right there. Um, this week in Logan and next week in Provo. Um, so, so the Mountain West phase right there is, is pretty stout. And, and then BYU's not had, you know, out-of-state trips beyond the neutral field at, 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 in Las Vegas to open the season. And, and the back half of the schedule is road heavy. So in their final six games, they have five FBS games. And of the five FBS games, four are on the road. So in a lot of ways, you know, the heavy lifting is still to come for BYU. Um, at Baylor, and, and, and Baylor's nationally ranked right now. They gave themselves a nice ramp-up schedule, but beating, Arizona, beating Iowa State's legit. They did the right thing by easing themselves in, then they kind of unleashed it a bit. Kind of had to hang on, but that's a good win. Um, so you got the Mountain West games back-to-back. Then you go Baylor on the road, Wazoo on the road. One's clearly tougher than the other. And then you get the Bronco game, and that's got its own set of subplots and storylines and motivations Idaho State, we kind of skip past, and then you go Georgia Southern, USC on the road back-to-back to end the year. So, you know, the ones you're going to get are Idaho State. The one you really expect to get is Georgia Southern. They've made a coaching change, and Wazoo's kind of in the same boat. So those Mountain West games, the Baylor-Virginia game, and the USC game, those are five tough, tough games to win. So 4-0 is great, but like I said, this is, the, this is a tough sledding schedule for BYU with a lot still to come. So this is cool this year. They've got the Broncos and Bronco. I like that. The Bronco game. 
Bronco squared. <laughs> uh, do you think that Utah State can exploit any of the same stuff that South Florida did in the second half? Well, I, I was really – I thought Utah State didn't get the – I mean, the, the, the 27-3 score will be among the more misleading scores in football this year, I thought. I, 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 as I watched and listened to that game on, on Saturday – you know, I, I just thought, man, alive, Utah State should be going to the halftime locker room thinking, how are we not leading this game? You know, they, they, they did so many good things, and then they did the kinds of things that BYU's managed to avoid for the most part to this point in the season. Now, BYU did have a blocked field goal uh, last week that kept them out of the red zone. In fact, the only time they've not scored in the red zone this year, guys, was that blocked field goal, field goal against USF. But Utah State certainly didn't get enough bang for its buck last week. That was a winnable game, and 27-3 says it's not winnable. But if you were there, watched, or listened, or saw how Utah State was moving the ball on Boise, you know Utah State could have expected to lead at halftime and should have expected to be in that game, if not win it, but for the mistakes they made. Um, as to what Utah State can hope to exploit, I mean, USF you know, did well, but was never really in a position to win that game. Um, they're... they're you know, A-Rod told me Monday, he said, it's kind of weird. We had a team down 22 points that wanted to bleed clock. Um, and they weren't going to have enough possessions to win the game if they kept playing that way. And that's exactly what happened. Every time BYU got the ball, BYU scored. And every time USF got the ball, they wanted to run, you know, 12 to 18 plays um, in a very piecemeal fashion. And, and that wasn't going to work for them in the end. And so in every game, you could argue BYU's been challenged, but they haven't been challenged to the point where they were in, in danger of losing the game. And so, you know, that's, that's something Utah State will have to do. Let's keep in mind, guys, BYU's not trailed yet. So even if USF or if USU were to go up 3 or 7 nothing, well, they've already put BYU in a spot they haven't been in yet this year. Right. Greg Rubel joining us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Have you heard anything, maybe it's too early, but have you heard anything about the impact the Big 12 announcement is having on recruiting? No, just beyond the general. Um, you know, they're going to get into maybe some geographic areas they, they weren't before. Um, they may have to uh, as a result of the conference shift. But I, I think, you know, the biggest impact will simply be if, if they were ever losing out to kids on tiebreakers being P5, that's out the window now. So if, if all things were equal with a recruit or a recruit's family, but P5 was the tipping point, well, you take that off the table and that changes a lot of things. Because you know that BYU's probably lost a handful of guys they've wanted over that one particular component. And, you know, I'm sure they were told if you, you know, if you could just give us that, it would, it would make a difference. Well, now they've got that. So I really don't think it's going to, you know, drastically expand the pool. Uh, BYU asked casts already a, a decently wide net, but they're always going to specialize in who they target. And I think when doing so, they can now do so on a, a truly equal playing field with the other big names they're competing with to land talent. Yeah, I actually think that where it would have the most positive effect, and I think this also in basketball, is in the grad transfer situation because they're going to be able to evaluate it. They're more mature, and obviously I'm talking about the non-LDS kid who maybe have more... Uh, I don't know of an issue, but be more concerned about the honor code, whereas an 18-year-old thinking of four or five years in that environment, uh, as opposed to one or two, plus they're far more mature, they've been around a little bit, they understand the situation. So I really look for BYU to feast on the transfer market, particularly with basketball, because 
the jump from the West Coast to the Big 12 in basketball is just absolutely enormous. And so I'm expecting yeah. big things. And, and actually now I want you to say, uh, let's see, bef- between now and 2025, BYU is going to make multiple Sweet 16s. Yeah, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> a kid, Greg. Way to hold firm. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I think Mark Pope is just going to do great stuff because I think this is a major improvement for him and his access to recruiting now because this is a top-notch, without question, basketball league. Yeah, it's a game-changer. He's already done great stuff. Right. You know, e- even within the confines of the WCC. Yeah. And and especially even with grad transfer talent there too, they, you know they they've already explored that market fairly well yeah. in the current confines. And so yeah, I mean he knows that you know that, that everything elevates in terms of expectation, uh, competition, uh, the, the battle for athletes. It's all going to be ramped up, and he's in for it. If there's anybody who's in for it, it's Mark Pope, right? You guys know that, right? And I think he yeah. is going to just. I really believe. He's going to do great, great stuff because I think this is this is going to open so many doors because you're not going to find a better basketball league. Yeah, and and the margin for error widens right when it comes to actual on floor competition. Um, it, it's not you know two bids or bust you know or you have to finish second to to to, to the, the the championship winning team to have a shot. Right. You can you, you can be in the mix oh, in the Big Twelve yeah, and still have a really really good basketball team and have a great shot of playing in March. Well, uh, Oklahoma was uh, sixteen and eleven, I think nine and eight last year, and they made the NCAA tournament. That right. just tells you the respect level that that conference has. They were an eight seed, so I don't want to say they're guaranteed to make the tournament, but their chances, as you say, they can finish fourth or fifth in that league and still get a six seed. Yeah, with the style of play, and you can argue, and you know, to some point, the level of talent BYU's been playing with, that would put you in the running, right? And and that's where you just need to be in the Big Twelve. I mean, yep. ideally, you're going to try and compete for championships, yep. but um, you know, BYU's already experienced, you know, some of the Big Twelve um, top of the heap uh, dynamic in in its own conference. Uh, I think Gonzaga has been a really good training ground for BYU, actually, when you think about competing in the Big Twelve. I think you're going to get your wish. I'll yeah. say it if you won't. I think Pope is going to get them to multiple Sweet 16s. What I feel bad about, Greg, is that you have just traded San Francisco for Stillwater and Malibu for Manhattan. And I froze one morning in Manhattan, Kansas because of college basketball, and I feel bad for you. No, you know, the, the, the great thing about the WCC uh, when it comes to basketball is every road trip you take is headed west. And uh, when you hit the Big 12, every road trip you take is going to be headed east, and so you're going to be um, you're going to be you know giving up the uh, the, the sandstorms for the ice storms, um, and uh, it, it's going to be a, a different deal entirely. Uh, the travel will be interesting. I'm sure there will be some stories to tell within a decade from now about getting to certain venues on certain nights, but uh, you know obviously the trade-off is is certainly worth it. Well, Stockton's been a good training ground in that regard, in the same way Gonzaga has. <laughs> nice giggle. Stockton's still pleasant enough. Greg, we appreciate a little bit of time. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the game in Logan. Really looking forward to getting back up into uh, Maverick Stadium and, and hearing some, uh, some opposing fans in the stands again. And, and uh, you know, it's funny, BYU and Utah State have played nothing but blowouts for almost a decade now. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe a close game will, will crop up one way or the other. Uh, BYU's been having these games where they 
have a nice little lead, team chips in, BYU gets it done. We'll see what kind of, uh, kind of dynamic we end up with tomorrow night. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for the time. This is Greg Rubel, longtime radio voice of the BYU Cougars. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. I'm not going to necessarily reminisce. I don't think this is the moment for that. And I'll have plenty of opportunities to reminisce about my football career, none of which I really care to do right now because I'm so much in the moment. I'm not going to be thinking about 20 years of history. I'm going to be thinking about one night of football, a Sunday night game coming off a really tough loss. That's Tom Brady. No memory lane for Brady. It is a storyline. I don't think it is. <laughs> it is absolutely. But it, a I totally agree with what he's saying. You, you're a player now. What this is not like. I mean, he's the most decorated player going to his former team. I'll grant you that. But there's been plenty of that. It happens all the time. Absolutely. That's why it's a running. That's a whole running thing. You know, you play your best game against your ex team to show them and all that stuff. I get it's not a storyline for him. I believe him. I think when he walks out there and it's third and six, he's going to be thinking about converting third and six. He's not going to be thinking about third and two. He ain't going to be in third and long. <laughs> it's Tom Brady. Well, buddy. it will have been third and one, but when an offensive lineman jumps outside, then it'll be third and six. Well, and Tom will cut him. But he's not going to be thinking about uh, winning the snowball with the Raiders. He's going to be. When was this statement made? Was today Friday? Yeah, so was it yesterday? That was from Wednesday. If I okay, at least I, I could deliver, I could deal with it, I should say, a little bit earlier in the week. But as we approach game day, and when he runs out on the field for the first time, sure. Oh, Chris, yeah. Chris Bryant went back. He plays a third-base outfield for the Giants. When he went back to the Cubs, they won a World Series. The Cubs, mm-hmm. you know, a thousand years, the curse of the goat and all that stuff. Uh, so he was a little emotional at the start. I get that. But then it's time to play ball. Yes, and for, for him, I believe that. I believe it's not a storyline for him, but when the bus pulls in and he goes to a different locker room, of course he's going to think about it. Of course he is. But it is a storyline for everybody else, and that's why the average ticket price is now $1,100. Well, yeah, it's Tom Brady, though. But it's he's not. Co- he's it was coming Tom Brady to your stadium. It was Tom Brady in L.A., and it wasn't right. 1100 bucks. Right, because he's coming to your stadium. It's because it's Boston. Yeah, because he's yeah, yeah, yes. Yours. I'm talking about Boston fans. Oh, okay, yes. I, I understand. He's coming to your stadium. I get it, and you want to see him play, and there'll be cheers. But I think the game completely and totally overrides. This is not a time for nostalgia. He's still playing at a high level, beyond belief, but he's still doing it at his age. More yeah. power to him, man. Well, the storyline any other week, because the Patriots aren't good, and they aren't going to be good. They got a rookie quarterback, and so there's going to be a learning curve. Oh, in the short term, maybe. Right. Oh, yeah, what they're going to be in 2023 and 2024. Well, Bill Belichick Jr. takes over. Nice. (laughs) Farewell, (laughs) May. Tom Brady also told reporters the Patriots handled things perfectly and that things worked out for the best. Perfectly, don't buy it. Things worked out for the best, totally agree. 
He won the Super Bowl. This is something that happens all the time, though. Yep. Legends leave other team, leave teams, go to other places. True story. I'm I'm on to the game. That's what matters. It's the game. Other games that you will be on to: Cardinals, Rams. Oh yeah, three and oh, three and oh, division game. Oh, Let's do the it. The Cardinals weren't picked to win very many games. Are they for real? You know, they have the nice win over Tennessee, uh, which was good. They had to come from behind against Jacksonville. It's good that you won, but, you know, what were you doing down? Uh, so let's see how real you are. Big game. That's the uh, afternoon game on, uh, on Fox. And speaking of down to Jacksonville, Cincinnati was down 14-0. And Jacksonville went for it on fourth and goal at the one when they could have kicked a field goal for a three-possession lead at halftime. They didn't do it. They got stopped. Cincinnati scored on every possession in the second half and kicked a field goal as time oh, ran out to win 24-21. That proves that that decision then was right. Because if they scored, they would have won? No. Since Cincinnati scored every possession, yeah. you needed touchdowns, not field goals. But a field goal would have gotten you overtime. You don't know that. You drive me. That, I know. I did it, but I did it. Always. I did it on purpose. I know you did. They were playing for. Uh, they were playing for the field goal at the end of the game because that's all they needed. Right. Right. And they you could know, have been more aggressive. I, I did. It. I knew I that last night. <laughs> but I got a reaction out of you, so I learned it from watching you. All right. I was more into the uh, Virginia game for some reason. Once again, I thought of you though because you you hate the field goals and two games that came down to field goals. Cincinnati made theirs because. Pro kickers, pro. pro kickers tend to make the 35-yarder, and he did. Right. Although he hasn't been a pro for long. He was a Florida kid and got drafted, and he's been in four NFL games. But still, nonetheless, he's a pro. He made the cut, and he made the kick. Meanwhile, the pressure kick by Miami was no good in Virginia. Wow, it was a shankaroonie. Shankopotamus. That's golf. Okay, fine. Can't borrow a little golf? Eh, you can. No, okay. but you went with the Roonies, who are big in, in football, so that's good. Shankaroonie. All right, other games coming up that may or may not intrigue you. The Chiefs and the Eagles are both one and two. Somebody needs to get going. I would assume it's the Chiefs, but that defense is bad. They are giving up a lot of points. They got to fix that. Cardinals Rams, not the only intriguing game in the NFC West. How about Seahawks Niners? Sure. Any, th- anytime any of those teams play each yeah. other in the division, the- Seattle could fall two games back if they lose. Mm-hmm. Broncos are three and zero, oh, but they haven't played anybody. They played three of those teams that are zero and three that you have already identified as hopeless for the rest of this season. Now they get the Ravens, so first real test for the Broncos. And Steelers Packers sounds like a big game, but the way things are going with the Steelers, are the Packers going to uh, going to roll in this? Uh, it's still early, so there's time. Maybe yeah. the Steelers just looked really bad in one game. The way the Packers looked really bad in their first game. You could argue that, but but two Hall of Fame guys going, so it may not be standings-wise, but it's still something. The Steelers are an illustrious franchise in the NFL. We've said it for years. Super Bowl halftime show. SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar. A cast of thousands. Kendrick Lamar? That voice of his? DJ and PK. Hashtag college football.
Hashtag BYU. Take your pick. Yeah, everybody's made really clear to me since day one that I got here that i got to hate BYU. So <laughs> I, I've gotten the message loud and clear. They are the most talented team we have faced. If we clean up the mistakes, we can play with these guys. And this is a game that we can win. We've got to play great ball. We've got to do everything right. But we can win this game on Friday night. And, man, wouldn't that be a great way to keep the season going? Yes, it would. <laughs> Blake Anderson, Utah State coach. Aggies went off the field tonight with both teams 4-1. and one. Yes, it would be a great way to keep the season going. We'll have Scotty on in about 45 minutes. I'm wondering, what is the highest-ranked team Utah State has beaten in recent times, maybe back when, when uh, this, Merlin Olsen was running around this and would, really good? This would be it. It's in their release. They've beaten four ranked teams. They didn't play ranked teams back in Merlin's day. The first time they, oh, they beat didn't. a ranked team was Fresno in 91. I've seen it in their release a gazillion times. It's now up to four wins. I, I want to say number 19. I read it in the release earlier this week. I just don't have it at that. So not as high as 13 with the Cougars. No, are. this would be the highest ranked team to beat. This would be it. Well, looking forward to this ball game tonight for sure. Aggie pregame show, 6 o'clock on 97.5 The Zone. Mm-hmm. The Bees will be over on 1280. Kickoff is set for 7 o'clock on the CBS Sports. Yeah, because I'm going to come home from the Corner Canyon game and watch it on tape. I got my loyalties, Dave, and they're not changing. Corner Canyon, Westlake? I know no idea who they're playing, nor do I know I thought your loyalties and they weren't changing. Right. I don't care about about us. I don't care about the opponent. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's a game that should be over fairly quickly. I don't know anything about the opponent. The Westlake. Uh, These games are usually over by halftime. Westlake Thunder. It's my. That's his. Uh, that's his backyard school. Westlake Thunder, huh? Your kids on track to go to Westlake, that's right? My kids are currently slated. Although to go. you'll probably use open oh, enrollment no, 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 to no, 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 no. We'll get one. the golfer to the big school, the football player to the big school, and the skier. Hey, in, in that area, he'll be making big money. It'll be Lone Peak. He'll no. be living in Alpine. BYU Alpine, baby. Yeah. Alpine ain't my jam. They all do. Not yet. Oh, you'll you'll come around as you get older. Wait till your first surgery. <laughs> <laughs> BYU and Utah State, 7 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. BYU, a chance to get to 5-0. 5-0, PK. Line them up and knock them down. Are they bowling pins? Yes. And there's 12 of them. Well, that's cool because Utah State has a receiver named Bowling, and that Noah running back, he's a bowling ball. So see? I see where you go. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Big games of college football, 10 a.m. ESPN. It's number eight, Arkansas, and number two, Georgia. I mean, Arkansas is still the SEC, but they've been the dregs for so long. Just to mix it up, could Arkansas please get it done? And Georgia's favored by 18. <laughs> so the answer's probably no. But I wouldn't mind. Georgia? Turn that thing upside down. Let's go, Georgia. Arkansas. Georgia. They've taken down Texas and Texas A&M so far. Let's see if they can get Georgia. Georgia? That'd be awesome. Number 12, Ole Miss. Number one, Alabama on CBS. Ole Miss. (laughs) Ole Miss. Bama favored by 14 and a half. You just sing the name of every song as I call off these big games. Hey, BYU fans, your team's playing Friday. What are you going to do Saturday? Watch Big 12 football. 
Big 12? Nah, you should have changed. Big 12. It's the Big 12, brother. Number 21, Baylor. Number 19, Oklahoma State. ESPN 2 at 530. That's a good game. That's why I think this conference is good. You know, it's not going to be the SEC, but it wasn't the SEC with Oklahoma. Agreed. And Texas is middle of the pack, so... BYU ought to be able to go in and be middle of the pack. Cincinnati ought to be able to go in and be middle of the pack. Texas is a brand name. You and, and the only that. reason why they're not ranked higher is because they aren't Oklahoma. If they were, if Baylor was Oklahoma right now, it'd be ranked eighth. Right. But they haven't rolled off a bunch of conference titles in a row. Which has nothing to do with this year. Exactly. It's a joke. Maybe the winner of this game will get a big bump in the polls. Maybe, I look forward maybe. to following these teams more intently in two years. I really do. Well, obviously, Baylor's playing BYU later this season. So oh, for sure. watch this game. Get a little scouting report for that game. Both of these teams are 4-0, and oh, winner to 5-0. and oh. Pac-12 football, Arizona State and UCLA, 8-30 on FS1. Not really an elimination game in the South. It's too early for that. Uh, but I think it's uh, whoever wins could be considered the favorite. I'll, how about is that fair? You, you would have early favorite. You would have the early lead in a long race. But yeah, absolutely. You get an early lead head to head. You get a tiebreaker. Wouldn't be surprising to me if a bunch of these teams ended up six and three, and you needed a tiebreaker. Twenty percent of the roster for the Devils is from that area. 20% L.A. kids, Southern, mm-hmm. Southern California kids. Yeah. And they better get it done now because it ain't going to happen. They're going to hit the reset button. Uh, yeah, the stuff that I've been hearing, man. Wow. Number seven, Cincinnati. Number nine, Notre Dame. That's 1230 on NBC. That's another future Big 12 school, but that's just two top 10 undefeated teams getting after it. Notre Dame. There's nothing like Notre Dame. DJ and PK, we mentioned uh, Virginia, Miami. Virginia wins 30-28. to Miami star quarterback De'Eric King missed the game with a lingering shoulder injury. Bronco Mendenhall had the fist raised after the game as the Cavaliers pull it off. And we will see them in Provo later this year. I root for those guys. What can I tell you? I like Bronco. I like Papinga. I like Deny. And I want to see them be successful. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Philadelphia 76ers star Joel Embiid called Joel Embiid called the situation with disgruntled co-star Ben Simmons disappointing and borderline kind of disrespectful to the rest of the team. I feel like our teams have been built, whether it's a shooting need or stretch five and all this stuff. I feel like Simmons always had it here and we still have it, Embiid said before listing all the three-point shooters on the roster. Our teams have always been built around his needs. little more truth out of him. Yeah, I would agree with most of that. I heard it yesterday. Heard it this morning flicking around. Also heard Kylie Malo. La, 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 la. That's another story. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with Joel. Who wants Simmons, and what are they willing to pay? Bridges are burning behind him in Philadelphia. Where is he going? How bad must it have been in his eyes to think that? Pretty I don't bad, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what was said on the team bus. I don't know what was said behind closed doors. 
We're not in the building at 5.30 in the morning, PK. Hard to know that one. But it does feel well, like it's more than just Simmons the basketball. Jim shooting Jays at 5.30, <laughs> that's for sure. It does feel like it's more than just basketball and more than money. And it's often about the basketball and the money. Well, the money's there. Feelings, egos, hard feelings, hurt egos. NBA's reached 95% vaccination threshold, a steady rise since the opening of training camps. The uptick, which includes players who minimally, minimally receive one vaccination shot, comes as unvaccinated players prepare for losses of salary for games missed in the Bay Area in New York due to local governmental mandates. And there, there's one lawmaker around here in coming to the games, because what are they doing? Chris Making Stewart. wear a mask or show a vaccine Requiring card? Requiring you to show your vaccine card aka, or show a proof of a negative test within 72 hours. And he's not going to come to the games? He's nope. furious? He might, he might have moved on. And who's he? He's in the House of Representatives. I don't know. What district, Yach? I believe two. Two? Well, okay. those people Where are is two. that? They're Give crazy. I don't know the counties. Okay, District fine. two? Oh, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The Mariners are tied for a wild card. The drought could be over, PK. They're so close. Did it rain? The what Orioles. in Seattle. How the crap they have a drought? The Orioles beat the Red Sox 6-2. The Sox are faltering down the stretch. They come. Down the stretch they come. Yankees are two games in front of Boston and Seattle. Who are both one game in front of Toronto? You got a chance, Toronto. Got to finish strong. So Toronto lost to the Yankees six to one. Yeah, they did. So that cost Toronto. They After the football, I, I'll turn on Baseball Network. Oh my goodness gracious, Tatiste! Oh, off the uh, yeah, <laughs> Leave. out of Dodger Stadium, four hundred seventy-six <laughs> feet, mashed. <laughs> I didn't see it. I, I watched did. it. No, I, I mean, it. no, but the ball. Can you see the ball yeah, I saw in the, the sky? Ball hit the, as it was coming down, I okay. saw it. Yes, I saw it coming down. So off the pavilion and out. Wow. <laughs> that was a blast, man. I literally have never seen anyone hit a ball that far. Willie Stargell, 1969. I didn't see it. All the way out. It was in the Dodger Media Guide for years. I know that. But I didn't see yes, it. Yes, because you and I both read me guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. 69? No. Yeah, I didn't see I, it. I suspect there's no But I, I was watching no it live, and wow. <laughs> and they showed Max Muncy, and he wanted to go wow, but he couldn't really because it would show up as pitcher. Uh, Gosselin, I think, was throwing. And my goodness, that, that guy is something. At 22, wow. Despite that titanic shot, the Dodgers beat the Padres 8-3. They don't pick up any ground on the Giants because they beat the Diamondbacks 5-4. So that's 17-2 now. Yeah, I think they're done. The Di- you know what the Diamondbacks' record in San Francisco was this year? Oh, they played nine games. 0-9. Yeah, 0-9. Oh, and, oh, and, oh, and, <laughs> and then they went 2-8 and eight against them at home, huh? I guess so. 0-9. Oh, <laughs> Jeez, guys. Did you suck any worse? I'm not buying season tickets next year. <laughs> All right, final weekend of the season. Uh, Houston clinched the AL West title. That's all over. They're going to play Chicago in the American League Division Series. And Dusty Baker, every team he's managed, which I think is like four or five, he's gotten in the postseason. 
What more does he need to do? Go to this guy's San, a Hall of Fame go to manager. And make it happen. He's a Hall of Fame manager. Well, he's in his 70s now, and I, my thought is that uh, when he's done... This will be it. Use, yeah, you'd think. But I thought that about LaRusso 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Hall of Famer Frank Thomas has headed up a venture that bought controlling interest in the go-the-distance baseball stake of All-Star Ballpark Heaven and the Field of Dreams movie site in Iowa. That thing's going to be surrounded by condos one day. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not going to be like the Thirsty Beaver in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> that was your best one. In a segment full of them, that was your best one. No way. <laughs> the Thirsty Beaver in Charlotte. Mick Jagger's silhouetted against the thing. Just leaning on the wooden railing by himself. Yeah. And the, and if you and if you saw pictures in the daylight, it literally is surrounded by high-rise apartment buildings. It looks like, oh, classic. And, and then the Thirsty Beaver, this little dive bar, is just alone there. And they said that the people in the picture to the right had floor seats for the show, and they did not <laughs> recognize that that was Mick friggin' Jagger that That's they probably paid over a thousand dollars for. Could have turned around and said hi to Mick, and he didn't have anybody to talk to. He'd have probably said hi right back. He probably could have chatted up Mick Jagger. The kind of thing that people would go online at some charity auction and pay a gazillion dollars for, you could have just turned around and done it for free. Yeah. And he wasn't with anybody else in a photo. He had nobody else. To say, hey, you're interrupting here. He's just doing, himself, doing yeah. nothing. Uh, and they had floor seats that I'm sure they paid an extreme amount of money for. Hilarious. Bees beat Tacoma 3-2. to two. Chris Wallach, ninth inning home run. Game three in the series tonight at 8 o'clock. Listen to it right here on The Zone at 7.50. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL at Austin tomorrow afternoon at 1.30. Feels like a trap, PK. An expansion team in last place. Only four home wins. Four and seven with a couple of draws at home. Three points for RSL. They need them in the playoff race. Perfect opportunity. Seven games left in the season. Oh, it would be a bitter disappointment. It would be absolutely it would be a bitter disappointment. But just because it looks easy on paper doesn't mean that's the way it's going to play out. I know. I get it. And Austin just just got one of those wins uh, last weekend against uh, the Galaxy. They beat them at home. Well, yeah, now's the time. We're getting into money time here, so you got to come through. And obviously I want my ex-Thunderbird chief to have (laughs) all sorts of success. Well, if you want him to have the interim label taken off as a former uh, Jack-in-the-Box veteran, 18th in Thunderbird for Jack-in-the-Box? Uh, probably about uh, 20th. 20th, okay. Because the school is on 19th in Thunderbird. Okay, well, I knew it was one way or the other and from the school. And west. Okay, so it's 20th. Yeah. Probably 500 yards. Well, mm. just keep winning. Just keep winning. And he grew up, he said he grew up on 7th Avenue in Greenway, and I was 23rd Avenue in Greenway. But you're older. So I'm you wouldn't older. have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not like you guys would have been on play oh, dates no. when you were six years old because you were in Jersey. <laughs> right. When right. you were six. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And he's By the time he's there. there. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, but it's still, you still, you know the area. Not that far apart. All right, well, we'll see what they do. They got a two-week break after this, and they just use basically the same starting lineup. There's only one change. Uh, from the game in Portland last weekend to midweek. 
I don't know how many of those guys. I, w- I would think after that game winner, we'll see a new starter up top. I think uh, Anderson Julio might get a start. And they can bring Chang back because he's the one guy they, they did not start midweek. So we'll see how they change up the lineup. And Brody's back from a broken toe and pins and surgery and all that. So that's another guy who could get a start. So we'll see what they do with the lineup. Afternoon game, 1.30. DJ and PK. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz at 7.30. Scotty G to talk Aggies and Cougars at 8.05. Stay with us. David Locke is next right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke. Everywhere I go, what do you think of Rudy Gay and Jared Butler? And I was like, I think about Hassan Whiteside. All those conversations about Butler and Trent Forrest and Eric Pascal. The one that slides my meter of where the Jazz are and who they are is Hassan Whiteside. We were horrendous defensively with Rudy off the floor last year. Like, we actually had a glaring statistical weakness defensively for 14 minutes a night, every night, on a team that was the best record in the NBA. If we're, like, above average or even good, because Hassan Whiteside is 7-1 with a 7-5 wingspan? The Sun Whiteside is good. Lights out. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. J and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. The offer is available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net. To schedule a demo today. And David Locke's weekly appearance is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. Is PK with you? Yeah. PK, I'm impressed because you know what they say. What? If you're going to soar with the Eagles, or you're going to soar with the, I don't know what they say. Something about <laughs> soaring with somebody, you got to hoot the next morning or something. If you're going to hoot with the Owls, you got to soar with the Eagles, or I don't know. Because, I mean, I know you last night. Crazy. <laughs> Yuck, will you make that a drop? Because that was awesome. Uh, he and I know what that was about. He texted me. We had a funny text in yesterday. Yeah. That's what that was all about. What is it? What is the phrase? I thought I had it right. Dyslexia never kills. It just really confuses. What, what, what is that? You're going to soar with the... The Soaring Eagle is Juan Diego's nickname. I know yeah. that. <laughs> Don't change allegiances like down there in Draper. We know about your allegiances. Was the owl hoot in the morning? I don't know, but I, t- I toot in the morning. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I didn't. You know, why? Why? You, well, you walked him right up to it. Nancy Kerrigan here? I didn't walk him anywhere close to that. 
TOS jumped over all sorts of things to get there. That was not a logical next thing at all. You can't soar with the Eagles if you're hanging with the turkeys. No, that is not it. All right, fine. And I'm in the wrong market for which somebody to get this phrase. I went helicopter skiing with it, it up in Canada in Mike Wigley's helicopter skiing, and they have, and it's quite a party. Nice plug. And it's quite an unbelievable skiing. And there's a big, huge, like, sign that's wood carved out. Like, it's been there for, you know, 50 years or something. And it has this phrase, and it's basically, you know, if you're going to be partying all night, you got to be able to wake up early in the morning. Well, I did. I know. You're amazing. Gosh. <laughs> Last night was insane, wasn't it? Oh, man, I can barely remember it. <laughs> yeah, right, because it ended at 930. <laughs> okay. Hey, 50-year-olds pretending they're funny. <laughs> Tune in every morning, 6 to 10. Are you ready for a serious question? The fact that I get to call an NBA game in like four days? When will you get to call an NBA game that involves Rudy Gay? He is now expected to miss the first part of the season. And was he hmm. expected to miss the first part of the season when the Jazz signed him? Or is that a more recent development because things aren't going well? Or this was always the timeline, but we were busy watching football and nobody said anything and you know, people didn't know. And- yeah, so that's like information that's not out there, which is whether when when he had the heel surgery. So um and that's really the key piece of information you need to have, right? Because so whatever the date is by which he had heel surgery is the last time he was active. Um, he's you know probably been riding the bike and doing those kind of things, but the last time he had any type of running or anything of that was probably the day before the heel surgery, and it's not clear when that's, that's not reported or that's not out there right now in any way, shape, or form. So um, I don't, you know, my easy guess, if I have to put, like, if you – if you want me to like guess is I, if I could take the wide ranging month of November, that seems to be like a pretty good guess. Um, in that, you know, he's not playing. They, I think they've kind of said he's not starting. Did they said he's not starting the season or just not playing training? They camp? said I, uh, I, early in the season that he's due back. Okay. So early in the season. So if he's not starting the season, the way they're, you know, the way that schedule is and they're never home, it's going to be pretty hard for him to get in before November. So that's and then there's a long homestand in November where it seems like that's the right time. Now his body's got to be playing along. So, you know, I don't know if we're heading into November, December. I mean, the fact of the matter is we signed Rudy Gay to play in April, May, and June. So not a, um, not a massively important issue in that sense. Eric Pascal gets a chance to play with really good players for the first time in his career, and we can see what he can do. So that and that's a positive. Um, and I'm not actually. I don't know, I'm on an island on this. I've listened, read every article, listened to every podcast, read every national article, and all I ever hear about is, with us is, oh, we've got this new defensive versatility. Like, it's cute. It's a good line. It's, I guess, important. I'm not buying. Like, it's just, like, I just do not think it's nearly as important as everybody else does. But that's, you know, I've been wrong many times in my career, and maybe I'm wrong again. All right, I guess we'll have to see there. I was thinking about this the other day, thinking about when I was thinking about the Jazz. You know, we've seen some pretty good glimpses of Royce O'Neal be ex- extremely good. And so I'm wondering going forward, you know, how good can he be? He's still what I would consider a fairly young enough player to get better. But what do you think is there for him as far as getting even better than he is now to make even more of a contribution to the team? I think the next step would be whether you add, and I don't know that he actually has to do this to be valuable. I think um, 
I love the fact that someone like Royce works as hard as he does and tries to improve his skills every day. Um, I always think one of the bigger mistakes players in the NBA make from just a big picture standpoint is they get paid and they then feel like they have to do something more. And the fact is they got paid for doing exactly what they were doing. So frankly, we paid Royce O'Neal or we, the jazz paid Royce O'Neal a bunch of money so that he would defend the lead guy every single game. He has done that at a higher rate than any player in all of the NBA, that he hit open threes. He did that brilliantly and that he would only take about five shots a game, which I actually think the third one is maybe as important as anything else on this roster because there are too many, there are not enough possessions to go around for the way this roster is constructed. So if someone like Royce suddenly wants 10 shots, it's a real problem. Um, so, you know, part of me thinks what Royce is exactly is great. The next step for him, and he talked about this in our broadcasters meeting at content day, is you know a little bit more ball handling and a little bit more creation for others. So can we suddenly run Royce off some pick and rolls? Royce plays drive and kick. Does that suddenly lead to a, a kick out three maybe for somebody else? Um, as well as anyone else. But, you know, the other thing on him, just to his credit, he has become a terrific rim finisher, and he was not when he first came in the league. That's, that's really what made him viable is that his, he learned how to finish at the rim, and he's, done a, he's strong and physical and learned how to do that. David Locke, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I know you're following the whole NBA. Have you seen any storylines, anything that impacts the Western race here early on that has made you raise an eyebrow? Maybe a team's a little better than you thought. Maybe somebody's got a problem that isn't on everybody else's radar because everybody else is watching college football. So there are three things I've seen so far. They're all kind of related to things I thought about when the year started. Um, So one is Dallas. So I really, really like Dallas. Um, there's a lot to like. Luke is ready to be an MVP. They can spread the floor. They can do all sorts of things. I just don't know about Jason Kidd. He's never won more than 41 games, I think, in his career as a head coach, maybe 44. He's had some really good teams. He's had dysfunction everywhere he's been. And then he comes out and announces that, like, Dwight Powell is starting. Chris Epps is going to play the four, and I don't want him to be, you know, worrying about the three and da 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 and shooting a lot of twos and doing all these kind of things. And, like, well, he's not actually very good at that. So, to me, like that was a little alarming, like that it was almost like Jason Kidd wants to be obstinate for the sake of being obstinate, which, okay, like go for it. We'll see. Um, the second one is just watching Chauncey Billups camp in Portland. Cause I think they're a lot better than anyone realizes. And if they're good, it has massive ramifications on the Western conference. Cause it then means there are seven, if not eight good teams. And what that means is that everyone is now just avoiding the play-in game for the entire first half for the first regular season. If you just think about, like, if this thing's as balanced as we think and the winner is going to win 54-55 games, I think there's a chance that seven could be at 48 wins. That's just a very slim margin between being home court advantage at 51 and play-in game at 47. And so, you know, if Mike Conley's suddenly sitting every back-to-back and you have one other injury, like, are you suddenly just as good as we thought you were, but you're working toward the play-in because the Clippers are much better than people think and the Blazers are, and I do think Portland's way better than anyone thinks. So I've been watching that closely. And then I do think the wild card of the whole West is whether what Russell Westbrook's impact is going to be. And he did a whole press conference about how he's going to be on Anthony Davis all the time, and he's going to be driving him and making him play hard. And to Russ's credit, you can say all you want about Russ and I'll talk about how he's the single least efficient player in the NBA and he's the most negatively impactful offensive player. He makes his teammates play hard. He plays harder than anyone else in the entire league. And I don't know if Anthony Davis has that gear inside of him. 
And if Russ is riding him, like I think Anthony Davis is as liable to check out as he is to check in, but if he checks in, holy smoke. So um, I think that one's really interesting to watch. How do you think they'll approach the regular season? Because they got four guys who are at least 35 years of age, and then they got another three or four who are over 30. So I think this is the story. This goes back to the two teams I'm watching the most to start the year are Portland and the Clippers. To me, this is the story of the West. It's a little, you know, maybe second tier. But So I'm watching Portland and the Clippers. And if they're good to start, then what I just talked about is real, that the playing game is going to be at 48 games. 48 wins, 47, 48. I think the Clippers are going to be, thir- I mean, excuse me, I think the Lakers at like the 62 game mark are going to be 34 or 32 and, you know, or 33 and 29. Like, I think they're going to be hovering a little bit above 500, coasting through the year. And in the final 20 games, they're going to be like, oh gosh, we got to go. Like, we got to go now. And if they slip as far as I just said, then they would actually have to go like 15 and three. I, I don't like their roster composition. Um, I don't quite get what they did. I'm not a Russell Westbrook fan. I just gave you the positives and negatives. He is the most negatively impactful offensive player in regards to efficiency in the league. Carmelo's an inefficient offensive player. Anthony Davis had a bad year last year. I think for them to be good, Anthony Davis has to have a Jokic level year this year. I have them as the ninth best offensive team in all of the Western conference and considerably below the good offensive teams, like considerably below. I have them as a 44-win offensive team, which means they have to be elite-level defensive team. They added Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan and Russell Westbrook, guys that are 30-plus to be elite defensive team. It doesn't jive to me. So we'll see, and I could be wrong because LeBron and Anthony Davis are that great, but then I hate to say this, but like LeBron's not LeBron anymore. Like He's really, really good, but He's 30-whatever years old. It's like it's like you know, like his running mate, Dwayne Wade, owns the Jazz, isn't playing with the Jazz. He lost a shooting. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously, him looting a shooting contest with Gobert and Whiteside's fun, but not real. Um, but it's worth noting, right? Like, Carmelo's, like, on his last leg and barely a player anymore. Wade's retired. Like, LeBron, is, it's coming to an end at some point. He's not going to be the only player in the history of the league that doesn't age. So... I just don't – I think the Lakers – This I, I think the Clippers in Portland are the two teams that are the most important teams to watch early in the year because if they're good, the race to avoid the playing game is going to be you know, astronomical. I guess the Warriors are the other one in there because I'm not sure I get the hype around the Warriors. So they're a non-playoff team that added two rookies who was adding a piece that hasn't played in two years sometime in January, and that's the third highest win total according to – that like. I was just on betonline.ag today, and they like had, I think the Warriors is the third highest, like or fourth highest win total in the West. Like, really? I don't get it. So I guess the Warriors would be two because if the Warriors slip out, then there's only seventeen. He's David Locke. He joins us every week right here on 97.5 and twelve eighty the Zone. Thank you, David. You know what's crazy? What? Well, lots in the world right now, but. Second most crazy thing what? is that when I talk to you on Friday next week, I, we will have called two games. And even more than crazy, we'll what? have talked two road games. Hmm. And then the week after that, and then the week after that, they're just going to pile up now. Well, yeah. Like, I'm not thinking about that. You're, you're <laughs> traveling. Are you back to traveling this year? Yes. Okay. All right. Isn't that great? Yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Pick enjoy, me up a t-shirt. Enjoy Texas. <laughs> What, where do you need a T-shirt from, PK? I'm all over it. <laughs>
Dallas, you Texas. You want that T-shirt that says "My friend went on a road trip with an NBA team and all I got was a scrappy T-shirt"? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, I'll make sure we get one of those for you. <laughs> Thanks, David. All right, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the preseason opener Monday, and then he's got another game Wednesday right here on the Zone Sports Network. Coming up, Scotty G, play-by-play voice of the Aggies, joins us at eight oh five. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Sataki and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with the post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Today is a football Friday. Football all day long here on the Zone Sports Network. It is brought to you by Mountain Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Got a poll question up, PK. Letting the people vote. What will happen? Who wins tonight? BYU wins and covers nine and a half points. BYU wins, but doesn't cover. Or USU in an upset. This is a classic example of why we root for everybody and people want to assign us. We don't get that as much as we used to in the early days of the show. But we still get it. We still get it, but I don't think we get it as much. But certainly we still get it. But when you think about it, say Utah State was... uh, One and three. One and three. It wouldn't have near the game would have no sizzle. Yeah. None. So it just works out much, much better for us to have these two teams. I actually pull hard for these teams. It doesn't matter. Uh, I spread the love, but I don't have a favorite. It it doesn't do us any good to have any local team lose. (laughs) When your team wins, you want to turn on the radio and hear more about it. Yeah. And I see the ratings on Talking Sports every Saturday night. It directly, directly follows. Well, I I just told Sundays at 11 the ratings suck. They do. That's all I care about. They do. Speaking of disappointment and heartbreak. (laughs) Now back to the game. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I know. Get over it. I got it. Jeez, you've told me that a million times. You have no idea how difficult it is. But we want these teams to have success because then when they play each other, and this is the classic example, to have some sizzle. I mean, you really can't have BYU and Utah have a lot of hype based on prior games leading up to their game because they play so early. Here, these guys have a number of games, in this case a whole month of games under their belts, and so it adds to the excitement because I think Utah State is legitimate, notwithstanding the Boise loss because that was disappointing. But things happen in the course of games, and now let's see what they can do to rebound at home and all this stuff should be flowing in their favor as far as the emotions and the opportunity of redemption. You know, you play some big-name teams, and you want to have success. 
and Blake Anderson building that thing. Kalani just uh, seems like everything is turning up roses these days. Big commitment from the Corner Canyon receiver, who I was told in the summer was Stanford bound. I told David Shaw that. I feel like I got to call David Shaw and apologize. Sorry, coach. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> as we were interviewing him, I got a text that says, oh, he's going to Stanford. And I showed it to, to Coach Shaw. And he just smiled because he's had, obviously had such success in the state of Utah. And I understand this kid's a mission kid, so we'll see. Basically, he's a Big 12 kid now because he's going to be gone. So he'll, he'll come back. In two years, and he'll then he'll be in the, the league. Yeah, yeah, in the second year, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that that's great for the Cougars. They want to keep this thing rolling because these are, these are great times. Uh, in a sense, I could argue that these are the best times they've had since Lavelle Edwards, because I know that, you know, Bronco Mendenhall did great stuff, but they were in the Mountain West, and exposure was pathetic and all that stuff. Bronco talked about that ad nauseum, and now going forward here, they're going to be in the Big 12, and they're going to get great exposure, and it's better. If they can do what the, what Bronco did in the late 00s, then, wow, I don't know that they can, but if they can... That would be sweet. And so they want to keep this thing rolling as much as possible. And then, you know, if you win this ball game, uh, you look forward to their schedule. How many games you're going to lose, you never know. But 10 wins is, they go 5-0, and oh, 10 wins is realistic. Because you're obviously, you're halfway yes. there if my math is correct. Yes. Thank you. I, and I, I said 10-2 and two early, and you were like, oh, and there's no guarantees. I don't but remember it's me. Totally go- you realistic. sure it was in response to ten and two when it went. Oh, <laughs> could have been something else because there's a lot of things going on these days. <laughs> Poll questions up. Who wins tonight? We're over hundred votes already, and I just put it up in the last break. Fifty-four percent of you think BYU is going to win and cover the nine and a half point spread. Twenty-three percent for BYU wins and doesn't cover, and twenty-two and a half percent of you think Utah State in an update. Vote at Twitter, David Date or upset DJ James in an upset. David DJ James, vote on Twitter. DJ PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone, Scotty G, voice of the Aggies, to talk about the Aggies and Cougars and the odds of an upset next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's time to talk Aggies and Cougars tonight in Logan with the voice of the Aggies, Scotty G. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best State Award winner, Smart Rain, is having an end-of-season sale on the Irrigation Smart Controller. Save 50% off each Smart Controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Scotty G, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. So, let's cut right to the chase. Your Aggies are playing the Cougars. And if your Aggies perform in the red zone the way they did a year ago, it's going to be good. A week ago. A week ago. A year ago. A week ago. A year ago. Oh, yeah. A year, a year ago. ago wasn't good either. Yeah, they never, yeah, actually, they never got in the red zone, though. <laughs> it, it'll, be, it'll be ugly. But if they finish drives, they did uh, in the fourth quarter at Wazoo. And in the next two games... Uh, we should have a really good game on our hands. Have you got any inclination which way this is going to go, or are you going to show up wondering like the rest of us? 
Uh, I think I'm more of the latter. Uh, that's, I mean, you hit it right on the head, and I think Boise State, this is a really fun, dynamic offense that Blake Anderson's got at Utah State. Uh, and uh, they had, especially in the first half, no problem going from the 20 to the 20 against Boise State. But then the Broncos really tightened things up. They bracketed some guys. Uh, Devin Tompkins, a dynamic receiver, but he's 5'8", 155. And, uh, and so they, they said, we're not going to let this guy beat us. And we're going to make uh, other guys come up and try to get open. And Utah State struggled with it. Uh, in talking to some of the coaches this week, they said it was more execution on our part, more than what Boise State did. And I'm sure that truth on that's probably somewhere in the middle. But, uh, but yeah, they've got to be much, much cleaner because uh, field goals are not going to be BYU tonight or, frankly, even stay in the game with BYU tonight. Yeah, plus I'm wondering about their field goal unit and how uh, capable it is. Obviously, it didn't look good right there. Uh, do you think they've got any tricks up their sleeve, maybe to use uh, two quarterbacks or whatever it might be? Well, I mean, according to Blake Anderson, and I think he told you guys this as well on Monday, and he's told you know us throughout the week, is that they're going away from that. Um, I'm sure that there will be uh, some packages with uh, Andrew Peasley, maybe some goal line or short yardage things to take advantage of his of his legs. Uh, but they, the, you know, now granted it could be a smoke screen uh, going into a BYU week. Uh, but they've he's he's been pretty upfront saying that he didn't like the way that they used both quarterbacks last week. They felt like it kind of got each one of them out of a rhythm. So if you believe what they've said, it's going to be mostly Logan Bonner this game. Now, if there's something up their sleeve, uh, look, let's be honest. You know, they, they love trick plays, and Blake Anderson likes to get crazy, and that fake punt was certainly one of them. I would not be surprised if they try to, you know, do something to try to steal a possession or uh, shift momentum. So I'm sure he's probably got something up his sleeve if he gets what he uh, gets a look that he likes. We saw BYU throw deep balls with ridiculous ease against South Florida. Are the Aggies ready to handle that? Uh, I, I, I know that they're aware of it. I know that they're concerned about it and I think they will do everything in their power to slow it down. Uh, they are a little banged up. I mean, you've got Dominic Tatum, who is probably their best, uh, best defensive back, uh, is out for the se- Well, I don't know if he's out for the season. He's out coach said a, an extended amount of time, uh, with an injury. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the personnel is going to be, uh, aware of it. Whether they can slow it down is going to be another question, but uh, they're game planning against it, and they know that there's a serious amount of weapons. I also know that they're really concerned about the tight ends. I know BYU hasn't placed a whole lot of emphasis on using those guys so far, but uh, the tight end position, as it should, because BYU's loaded, uh, is a big concern of theirs as well. So, I mean, it's it's gotten everybody's attention in Logan, for sure, this offense, regardless of whether it's Jaron Hall or Baylor, Baylor Romney. We know in a surprise move, not necessarily by saying it, but that it actually happened, Kyle Whittingham said that BYU controlled both lines of scrimmage against the Utes, which is just like uh, unbelievable considering the Ute program and the emphasis they put on it. What are you looking there for in the battle of the trenches between both teams? And does one, did the Cougars have a decided advantage? Because obviously, according to Whittingham, they had it against the Utes. Well, Ephraim uh, Banda, who's the defensive coordinator, told me, he said, this is the, and he came from the University of Miami. He was the co-defensive coordinator there. And he said, this is the best offensive line I've seen since they played Notre Dame a couple of years ago. He put it right up there with Wisconsin when they played them. So it, it's, 
it's it's a difficult task. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw all different kinds of looks because right now I don't know man up that uh, that the, they'll be able to get a lot of pressure just uh, trying to size up against these guys. I think you can anticipate probably a lot of twists, uh, you know, a lot of action with those defensive linemen to try to create some opportunities. I don't know if they're going to bring a lot of blitzes. I probably would try to uh, and do something to try to generate a pass rush. Uh, it's something that they're obviously really concerned about, and they know that that front four is a real big problem, or that front five is a real big problem. Now, on the other side, a defensive line, you know, Utah State's running the ball for 200 yards a game. So I think that there's some confidence there that they'll be able to run the ball a little bit against Utah State. You know, Calvin Tyler's been a really good running back. Uh, the offensive line's got a good push. They know that, that uh, one of the strengths of Washington State actually was their offensive line, and they felt like they handled that pretty good. So from an offensive side, I think, they feel like there's some opportunities there uh, against that BYU offensive line. I know there's a whole lot of concern about trying to get a pass rush against those guys. Okay, this is a small thing, and it doesn't matter, but everybody is talking about it. <laughs> and I think Kalani even mentioned it. The fact they switched the benches and the visitors are now right in front of the student section. What, what was the reason for that? Is it overblown? Does it have that big an impact? I mean, I know it's like a natural bowl inside that stadium, but what do you think about all that? Explain it. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think it's a big deal because the Utah State student section is probably the most well-behaved, courteous, nicest, uh, you know, group of uh, group of fans. <laughs> I think he meant, but, but whatever. Uh, you know, it's I, I don't. I mean, I, I haven't asked anybody. I think it probably is to try to get inside the head of the opponent. I don't know if it actually works or not, uh, but I think it's 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 fun. I mean, it's a it's a pretty aggressive student section, um, and you hope they mind their p's and q's and are respectful with what they do. But yeah, it's it's certainly intended to uh, try to uh, rattle the cages a little bit. And again, I don't know if a player if it really works that much, but uh, but they're certainly going to give it a shot. I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be some things said tonight that probably aren't the most appropriate things on the planet. I wouldn't endorse doing anything like that, but that <laughs> a kid. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen in the Mountain West? Because we're hearing all sorts of reports that uh, CSU and Air Force are taking off. Yeah, it seems. Uh, and again, just reading between the lines, it seems like it's a foregone conclusion that those guys are gone. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, yeah, I. I don't know why, honestly. Air Force. I, agree. I guess if you want to be with. With the other uh, service academies, I guess that makes sense. Colorado State makes no sense to me. Uh, if your hope is to get to the Big 12, then I think the Mountain West is probably your best route to get there. But let's be honest. I mean, Colorado State claiming they bring the Denver market is like saying San Jose State will bring the Bay Area. I mean, nobody really cares about Colorado State. So I just, I mean, I guess that's that's nice. And you have big, big hopes and aspirations, but I just, Boise moves the meter. BYU moves the meter. Uh, Colorado State, I don't remember the last time anybody's lining up to watch the Rams play football, which they haven't done very well uh, for the last, uh, well, how long has Sonny Lubick been gone? Long time. So it's, it's been a minute. <laughs> Pete Thamel tweeting out 18 minutes ago, sources Air Force and Colorado State will be staying in the Mountain West. They've been courted and considered uh, along with Boise State and San Diego State, but all four schools will remain in the Mountain West. That's Pete Thamel reporting that. Really? Yahoo wow. Sports. All right. Well, I I stand corrected. Obviously, I mean, I'll tell you this. I mean, 
uh, and DJ, you and I have talked a little bit about this off the air. Um, let's just say this. There were a considerable amount of uh, schools in the Mountain West that were pretty much planning on them leaving. And so uh, whatever happened, I don't know what uh, what may have changed over the last two days or so, but let's just say there was a strong contingency of Mountain West officials and Mountain West um, athletic directors that anticipated that they would be down to uh, 10, 10 teams. Craig Thompson, the guy's a genius. He's like you know, David Craig, Copperfield, isn't he? He just works magic. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he, I mean, he comes across a little bumbly at times, but remember in 2010 when yes. BYU oh, was yeah. in cahoots with the yep. WAC, yep. Yep. And, yeah. and, Craig, and Craig sniffed it out and blew it up in a hurry. He so, did. Absolutely, I mean, props, he did. Props to him. After I was told it was done, I went to the gym and saw yep. on the ticker and the TV that those other two were San Jose and Fresno. I mean, I couldn't believe it. So, yeah, he did. Same. He thwarted, he thwarted them big I think, time. I mean, the Mountain West, it is what it is, and I don't want to oversell it, but they got a good thing going. And it's probably a better thing now that the AAC lost their top three teams. The odds of them getting, yeah. you know, have probably improved the odds of them uh, getting into the playoff, the Invitational, um, whatever it looks like when it is expanded. You know, those are all positives. To do that kind of far-flung geography. I mean, if you're getting Big 12 money, and I don't know what they're going to end up with, 15, 20, 25 million a team, whatever it is, that would be so much. I would get any team that went after that, and I would assume it would be Boise State and Memphis, but that's just me guessing. Um, take that. But the, but the other stuff, this makes no sense. So cooler heads prevailed, Scotty. Cooler heads well, prevailed. Well, it just didn't make any sense. I right. mean, I just I couldn't wrap my brain around it. And I get that. You might get a hair more TV money, but I mean, you know, TV negotiations better than anybody. They were going oh, yeah, to cut guy? that AAC down. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I know, right? And <laughs> just ask him, right? You know, and so <laughs> he did that, not me. You, you started. <laughs> <laughs> he escalated it. You started it. I no, I just got high load. I got I'm sh- like the kid at the bus stop. <laughs> I you nailed you down behind me. And he last night, I got blamed for something I had nothing to do. You actually, it was 180 degrees off target. Yeah, and now here, same thing. Not at all. Not Morning, at all. noon, and night, it you never got, changes. You are the victim. You got you got chop blocked pretty good. I'm sorry. That's my bad. Jeez. Really, I feel like I, my ACL just got hit by Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> Entire program? Well, if, yep. they went to the a- if they went to the AAC, I mean, fine. Let, let somebody else pay for their ACL surgeries right. for their kids. Exactly. Nice. But if they're staying put, I mean, it makes sense. So I'm I'm glad to see it. Yeah, it's where they belong. It really is. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, to send your volleyball team to East Carolina and send your <laughs> soccer team to, to South Florida. I mean, I mean, it's a fun place to go to. But let's not get ourselves. That's not cheap. Right. Right. It just they, of, of all the programs, they belong. I mean, they're right in the smack of the center. And the the two of them, and, and plus it's the, if it was the AAC expanding with the teams that didn't leave for the Big Twelve, I could understand it more. Correct, absolutely, yeah, I, and that makes sense. And Boise, I think at one point was trying to secure that, right? Uh, but now, if I'm the Mountain West, I turn around and I look. I'm like, all right, so you made a run at us, hey Memphis. Why don't you park your basketball teams here for a couple of years while you're waiting for the Big Twelve? Instead of you going to South Florida, why don't you go to the UNLV and the Pit and San Diego State? Let's go. 
You That's know, a so, good basketball uh, if, league right there then. Yeah. Ab- ab- absolutely. So if, you know, you almost got your legs cut off, I think it's time to probably do the same to somebody else. Oh, I like it. I love that. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy you. don't buy me out. I buy you out. Yeah, that a kid. <laughs> I like that. You know, Southern Idaho might not be New Jersey, but, you know, we could be vindictive. <laughs> <laughs> So, Scotty G, the atmosphere tonight, is the crowd going to be 80-20 Utah State, 70-30? What are you thinking for the BYU-Utah State game? Well, this game sold out uh, almost a week and a half ago. Um, And so that leads me to believe that there are some BYU fans that snatched up some tickets. And I had a – and I I will not name names because, frankly, nobody knows who it is, but I have a good friend of mine – and Hans and I were talking about this on the air. He has uh, four tickets. He's a diehard Aggie fan, big-time supporter. And he had a BYU fan that came in and said, I will give you, uh, I'll give you $1,200 for those four tickets that he paid probably maybe $100, $150 for. And he said, yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of Royal Blue in that stadium tonight. It would not surprise me at all if there's a heavy contingency of BYU fans in that stadium. So uh, I would say probably 65, 35, 60, 40, somewhere in that range. But I think there's going to be a big contingency of BYU fans in that stadium. Scotty G, as always, we appreciate it. Good luck on the call tonight. Enjoy the game. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Scotty G, the voice of the Aggies, talking BYU and Utah State right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More football on a football Friday next. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke. Everywhere I go, what do you think of Rudy Gay and Jared Butler? And I was like, I think about Hassan Whiteside. All those conversations about Butler and Trent Forrest and Eric Pascal. The one that slides my meter of where the Jazz are and who they are is Hassan Whiteside. We were horrendous defensively with Rudy off the floor last year. Like, we actually had a glaring statistical weakness defensively for 14 minutes a night, every night, on a team that was the best record in the NBA. If we're, like, above average or even good, because Hassan Whiteside is 7-1 with a 7-5 wingspan? Hassan Whiteside is good. Lights out. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Game night tonight. It's BYU, it's Utah State, the wagon wheel. More importantly, it's a 4-0 BYU team that's ranked 13th in the country that has a chance to have a really big season. And it's a 3-1 Utah State team with a new coaching staff that got started, had all kinds of momentum, but they lost 27-3 to Boise State. A few positives they could take away from it, but it's still a 24-point loss. And that momentum they had in the first three games could really be gone if this game goes sideways on them. Well, yeah, I agree with that on the surface and probably deep down too. But the thing about it is the problem with the Utah State going with them first, because I agree with your saying, the, the way they lost was just a downer and a bummer. Now, if they come out 
and lose 27-24. And it's still a loss. There's no question about it, you know, and you don't want anything to be settling any form of acceptance over losing. But you can build momentum going forward because at that point, BYU is, what, 5-0? and zero? They're, four, they're cracking a top 10. I know we had on Rubel yesterday, and he was talking about tough games. And I get it. When you're invested like that to that level of emotion, everything is tough uh, because you're you just you know want them to win so bad. And I believe the Baylor game is tough, but right now they should be able to. They stand a good chance to win the rest of their games, uh, and I, I don't know that they will. You know, Greg could have literally be uh, mm, right I on think- his mark. But if you're from the Utah State perspective. If you play these guys close, you can reestablish that momentum. If you get smoked, I agree with that, yeah. then, then I'm right with you. Right. Yeah, it depends on what the game looks like. If it's close and it's competitive, it's a tough fourth quarter. It went your way in the fourth quarter at Air Force, and it went your way in the fourth quarter at Wazoo. If it doesn't go your way in the fourth quarter this time, uh, I don't think, given the caliber of competition they have left on their schedule this year, I think they can still win a lot of games and have a great year. If you lose by 24 again, well, then you might feel different. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that could be a problem. And but here's you, know, you keep shooting yourself in the foot, as you say. Yeah, right. Um, I think that um, the huge X factor in all of this, and I think this goes to um, the point Greg makes about the schedule being tough going forward. Um, it depends on a lot of things. Are you trying to get to 8-4 and four and 9-3, and three, or are you thinking 10-2, and 11-1, or 12-0? and oh? You know, I don't think the schedule's very tough for getting to eight and three or nine and four. Excuse me, uh, eight and four or nine and three. I think that schedule's very doable for doing that, and I expect they will do that at this at point. Minimum. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're talking ten and two or better, okay, yeah, then the then the schedule's tough. And I think the X factor in here is BYU had a lot of guys hurt, and Kalani has told us a lot about the depth and how much better the depth is. And I think we've already seen that the depth is better. But is the depth good enough to handle what's coming up? And are there going to be more injuries? They could be down one or two offensive linemen in this Utah State game. I think they can negotiate that and win this game. It's not ideal. They could be missing some important guys. I think they got enough depth to get through. But somebody out there is like, DJ, they're playing a football game. What if another guy or two goes down? Well, that's an excellent point, and that could be a big problem. I don't think they have that kind of depth. Maybe they do. We don't really know yet. Where I think there's a big question, I already have questions about the depth on defense. I think the issues on offense, they can negotiate. I think Gunnar Romney is good enough to win the game. Sucks Baylor, Baylor, Baylor. Gunnar Romney. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Baylor Romney is good enough to win the game. As your backup quarterback, Gunnar is good. There's a lot of (laughs) skill players. Losing um, losing Wake, losing Mason Wake, that's not good because he's made plays. But you got a lot of guys who can make plays. I think you can negotiate. I'd that. agree with all that. Defensively, though, I think we were already seeing slippage in the second half against South Florida. And defensively, if you have guys out of position, guys who blow assignments, guys who make mistakes, maybe guys who just aren't big enough or fast enough, we've seen Utah State. You make a mistake, they've got the speed. That's it. This is South Florida. You made a mistake. They converted third and five. They got a new set of downs and they kept driving. Utah State, you make a mistake, 50, 75 yards, wherever the goal line is, they're getting to it. And they showed that against Air Force. So I got questions. And I think going quite, going forward. Now, some of these guys who are hurt may not be out. They may be back. Maybe they're only going to be out one game. So it may not even be an issue against Boise State. I don't have a good feel for what the defense is going to look like. Well, I do think that that some of those guys were, what was the word I'm looking for? Cautionary. Uh-huh. 
Uh, the, the Peely loss is dramatic. Yes. I mean, he's a very good player. I, I said when he got hurt against the Devils that it was – it's a big loss. Arguably the best defensive player. The best linebacker, I thought, and arguably the best defensive yeah. player. It's a big so loss. So that's a significant loss, um, but you know, that's the that's the sucky portion of the game. It truly does suck in that regard, and that's the way we are across the board, no matter who's injured and, what, and you know where they play or who they play or who they play for, I mean. Uh, but I do think they can be okay defensively right now uh, because I think they'll get some of these kids back, and they, they don't have – Big time depth, and let's just let's just call it like it is. They just don't, you know. I I, I don't I don't see it. Uh, you can have depth, and you can have players. And the great thing about it is, I think they're as they continue to develop a program, these second team, third team guys will continue to move up the rung and ladder, so they'll get better at what they're doing, and they'll be able to improve their depth. But do they have enough over the course of the schedule? Uh, uh, depending on what position they take a hit on, uh, no. Uh, but do they have enough to win tonight, which is the task at hand? Then yes. And if they can come out of this healthy, which is always an if. I had a, I had a friend of mine whose son but played football at a high level. I think I've said this on the air. Uh, and he said, after every season, you breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. Uh, that your kid didn't suffer something extremely dangerous uh, or serious, I should say. And this is a kid who was in NFL camps. Uh, so his dad told me, a friend of mine, that he would just always breathe that sigh of relief. Okay, the kid's in one piece, you know, didn't have the concussions, blah, blah, blah. So you're going to have it. There's just no question about it. But if they can come out of this one healthy, you know, then they've got an extra day. Uh, to see about it. But everybody's got them, man. I mean, the Devils, they were out without their top running back. Okay, it so doesn't I'm, get much run because nobody cares. Right. But, I, but I'm with you. So you've got questions about BYU's twos and threes and their depth and how good sure. it is. And that, if you're playing your twos and threes, the schedule is good enough to give you three or four losses. These games down the line. Away. Yeah. Right. If, if those other guys don't come, come back, back by right. then, exactly. And that's I'm why I'm talking about tonight. I think they've got enough yeah. tonight. I'm picking BYU tonight too. Uh, and obviously most people are, I mean, that's why Vegas has set the line they've set, but that could change in a hurry. If, if Utah state starts breaking big plays on the defense. Uh, and yeah. If they, and if they get some more guys injured, but I, I think they will be okay. And I, but I expect Utah State to really give those dudes a huge run for the money, man. I'm excited for them to see them play. I would think you're right, mostly because we haven't seen BYU blow anybody out now. Now, they'll open up leads. They get double-digit leads. They get up. But everybody has come back and fought back to the edge of the game. Now, nobody's really been on the verge of beating them. There's always been a certain comfort level. Even as you watch South Florida put together all those long drives, you're like, time and score, time and score. Rick Majerus beat it into your head in college basketball, but it's true in every sport with a clock. Yeah, and there just wasn't enough time. Television, they'd put on time and temperature. That's kind of obsolete. You don't need that anymore. You need, you need time and score. Time and score in sports, yeah. but the television, they cut sometimes commercial it's breaks, just, they put on time right. and temperature. It's just for convenience. You yeah. don't need to do that anymore because yeah. I got my phone. I Tell me my time. And I can find the temperature anywhere in the world. That's true. Like, name a spot. No. No, in Scotia. London. Boom. London? Okay, <laughs> London. I can give you the Halifax, Nova Scotia. <laughs> uh, so I guess the question then is, if Utah State gets down 10, 14, 17, whatever it is, 
are they poised enough? And if their coaches coach them up enough, no matter what happens, keep playing. We know these guys can break big plays. You can be back in a game real quick when you go 70 yards for a touchdown with either a running play or a passing play. Your yeah. run game or your throw game can get you 70 yards in a heartbeat. We saw it against North Dakota and Air Force. So even if it looks like they're down, they could be back in the game. And BYU has let everybody, everybody back in the game. There isn't once where they've gotten their two or three score lead and then pushed it out to five scores and won in a laugh and pulled all the starters. Mm-hmm. They're 4-0. They haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. Everybody got back in the game. Arizona State probably was the biggest threat. Arizona was briefly. Briefly. I think most of these briefly. games they've had, they've had under control. They've, they've been fine. Well, they got to show some more consistency on both sides of the ball. For sure. I don't know that the offense can be better than it was against South Florida. They had they had eight possessions. They got five touchdowns. And on one possession, they were trying to score there and trying to run out the clock, and they did. So six drives get an A+. You can't do better than touchdowns and running out the clock to win the game. You punt in the first half. All right, we, we can complain about that, but I don't think one punt in a game is the end of the world. And they did get stuck once in the red zone and have a field goal blocked, and that's not good. So you got me on two drives, but six of the eight drives are a total win. If your offense wins six out of every eight drives, you're a very good football team. So yeah, they just got to sustain like what they did. Two or three score margin of victories. Yeah. That uh, would particularly be if you play a better offensive team. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, that, if that offense for South Florida got cooking a little earlier, you, know, you play the if game so you can go back and forth 100 times on that. But they haven't but, played anyone that looks like the big play threat. Now, maybe, no. maybe BYU, everything's on film now, and maybe people are catching up to Utah State. And hey, you just don't, you just keep a safety over the top of Devin Tompkins because you're just not going to let him. You just can't let the other play, other teams most explosive I think there's player teams beat that can you. score on BYU going forward, and they're going to have to match it a little bit more. Well, that's, we haven't, what we haven't seen is the game where both teams are in the 30s right. and BYU right. finds a way to win. Right. You get into the 40s, you're getting into wacky whack territory. And those games always seem to be uh, Yeah, I don't know if there'll be two, but the Air Force did it over there right. with uh, Utah State. Might have been a 34-30 or 38-31 game. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Utah State got 40, what, 49 on those guys? Perhaps I should have said 34-31 upon further Ooh, review. I see what you did. Yeah. Now. That's a long time ago. Yeah. So much change between then and now. It's a great day to be a, uh, a Cougar, man. They got that commitment from the Speedster down at Corner Canyon. Hagen, that a lot of people thought he was going to Stanford, mm-hmm. and they were able to get him committed. Now he's going to go on a mission, so he'll be a Big 12 guy. But right off the bat, man, I, I can't say they flipped him because he hadn't been committed to someplace else. But, but it's a good win. There have been enough players yeah. who've gone to Stanford, and let's underline that, enough receivers who've gone to Stanford. Tight ends, wideouts. Oh, everybody. That's that's a good win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dalton Schultz, an NFL guy with the Cowboys now. Yeah, Stanford I don't know that guy. BYU was in the running for him. I think it was more Utah. Yeah. But uh, the Seems situation welcome. being that they got a local kid, a bread and butter kid, LDS kid. You got to get those kids. You just absolutely do. And we'll see if he stays committed. He says he's 100%, 100% committed and he goes on a mission. Two years is a long time. Lots of stuff can yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right now, BYU football for just two years ago, was in a eh, kind of a mediocre spot at best. And now they have a chance to go 5-0. and zero, And they're getting one of the top players in the state, certainly top skill players. And, and I can't go into more. 
but I've been told that's not the end of it over there. We'll see. All right. We'll see. But they were in a eh place, 27 and 25 over four years. Ooh. But now look at them. That's no contract extension. Now look at 15 and one over 16 games. That's amazing. Well, yeah, now you're talking. One, that adds up to 16. You got me. There you go. Yeah. All right, DJ PK, there's your look ahead. The wagon wheel tonight, BYU and Utah State in Logan. You'll hear it right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies welcome in BYU to Maverick Stadium for another chapter in their long rivalry with the Cougars. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action, beginning with the Aggie pregame show Friday at 6 on 1280 AM, with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, yeah. you and I always weigh in on how it's going to turn out. But what do the people think about BYU and Utah State? You tell me. Patrick, I don't care. What? Why would you post if you don't care? Because you're a Ute fan well, and you're trying to make a point. Well, I mean, if you know, two, two different things there. Maybe you don't care about the outcome because I personally don't care about the outcome. But I care about the game. So maybe you don't care about the outcome, but you care about the game. Because I rarely care about the outcome of a game, but I care about the game. So maybe he means that. If he means he doesn't care about even bother to watch it, why would you post? I think generally, you fans will root for Utah State and then laugh at BYU if they lose. Oh, for sure, yeah. I That's agree what that. I would expect. I agree with that, yeah. Uh, Rick says... I hope Utah State wins, but honestly, if they play like they did against Boise State and BYU plays as well as they have in the previous games this season, Utah State will be destroyed. Well, I think that's what Blake Anderson said on Monday. We've got to play much better. We've got to play near perfect, uh, mistake-free, blah, blah, blah. If we do that, we've got a chance. I agree with Coach Blake Anderson when he said that on Monday. Can they do it? It's very difficult to do for any team, uh, but if they can do it, yeah. They've got some playmakers on this team. Bonner is somebody who can move the ball through the air, and they've got a couple of receivers, you know, decent. Running back's okay. So, yes, I think they got a shot. John says it'll be a tough game for BYU. Utah State will pull it out with help from the home crowd. Yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, because BYU's home crowd has been getting a lot of run this year uh, by opposing teams. Multiple. so Actually, uh, all three games that they've had, the, the, opposed, the, the, the people have spoken about that deal. That's good to see for BYU to get that thing back. Uh, but now you're going to go into uh, your first hostile environment, as they say. So How are you going to handle it? Aggie fans should be all fired up for sure. Chad says 69 to nothing Cougars. Ain't no guess. 
So you'll give me 68 points. You should take that. I will. <laughs> Neither one of us are big gambling guys, but that's not really a gamble. That's a sure thing. Yeah. Tanner says Coogs win easy, but he will not give you the 68 points. Uh, easy. I think there's an easy versus comfortably. Daniel says BYU will win by around nine points, which is about where they've been in most of their wins this year. Eight, nine, ten, eight. See, they've won comfortably. But not easily. But not easily. Right. Totally agree. It is about time that they get one of these leads, and then they finish the game off in style. They beat somebody by 20 or 30. They looked like they were on their way to it multiple times. I was sure they were on their way to it against Arizona, and I was absolutely wrong. But when they had Arizona at 21 3, I thought, oh, this is about to get ugly. I bought into the Arizona is a better team hype. And so far, it looks like that was a wrong buy in. All right, DJ PK, stay with us. More football coming up right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's a football Friday. Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. The offer is available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net. To schedule a demo today. And David Locke's weekly appearance is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. Is PK with you? Yeah. PK, I'm impressed because you know what they say. What? If you're going to soar with the Eagles, or you're going to soar with the, I don't know what they say. Something about <laughs> soaring with somebody, you got to hoot the next morning or something. If you're going to hoot with the Owls, you got to soar with the Eagles, or I don't know. Because, I mean, I know you last night. Crazy. <laughs> Yuck, will you make that a drop? Because that was awesome. Uh, he and I know what that was about. He texted me. We had a funny text in the yesterday. Yeah. That's what that was all about. What is it? What is the phrase? I thought I had it right. Dyslexia never kills. It just really confuses. <laughs> what, what is that? You're going to soar with the... The Soaring Eagle is Juan Diego's nickname. I know yeah. that. <laughs> Don't change allegiances like down there in Draper. We know about your allegiances. Was well, the owl hoot in the morning? I don't know, but I, t- I toot in the morning. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I didn't. You know, why? Why? You, well, you walked him right up to it. I mean, Nancy Kerrigan here? I didn't walk him anywhere close to that. He like, jumped over all sorts of things to get there. That was not a logical next thing at all. You can't soar with the eagles if you're hanging with the turkeys. <laughs> No, that is not it. All right, fine. <laughs> and I'm in the wrong market for which somebody to get this phrase. I went helicopter skiing with it, it up in Canada, 
in Mike Wigley's helicopter skiing, and they have, and it's quite a party. Nice plug. And it's quite an unbelievable skiing. And there's a big, huge like sign that's wood carved out, like it's been there for you know 50 years or something. And it has this phrase, and it's basically, you know, if you're going to be partying all night, you got to be able to wake up early in the morning. Well, I did. I know you're amazing. Gosh, <laughs> last night was insane, wasn't it? Oh man, I can barely remember it. <laughs> yeah, right, because it ended at nine thirty. <laughs> okay. Hey, fifty-year-olds pretending they're funny. <laughs> Tune in every morning, six to ten. Are you ready for a serious question? The fact that I get to call an NBA game in like four days. When will you get to call an NBA game that involves Rudy Gay? since he is now expected to miss the first part of the season. And was he hmm. expected to miss the first part of the season when the Jazz signed him, or is that a more recent development because things aren't going well, or this was always the timeline, but we were busy watching football and nobody said anything and you know, people didn't know. And- yeah, so that's like information that's not out there, which is whether when, when he had the heel surgery. So, um, And that's really the key piece of information you need to have, right? Because... So whatever the date is by which he had heel surgery is the last time he was active. Um, he's, you know, probably been riding the bike and doing those kind of things, but the last time he had any type of running or anything of that was probably the day before the heel surgery, and it's not clear when that's, that's not reported or that's not out there right now in any way, shape, or form. So um, I don't, you know, my easy guess, if I have to put, like, if you – if you want me to like guess is I, if I could take the wide ranging month of November, that seems to be like a pretty good guess. Um, in that, you know, he's not playing. They, I think they've kind of said he's not starting. They said he's not starting the season or just not playing training. They camp. said I, uh, I, early in the season that he's due back. Okay. So early in the season. So if he's not starting the season, the way they're, you know, the way that schedule is and they're never home, it's going to be pretty hard for him to get in before November. So that's and then there's a long homestand in November where it seems like that's the right time. Now his body's got to be playing along. So, you know, I don't know if we're heading into November, December. I mean, the fact of the matter is we signed Rudy Gay to play in April, May, and June. So not a, um, not a massively important issue in that sense. Eric Pascal gets a chance to play with really good players for the first time in his career, and we can see what he can do. So that and that's a positive. Um, and I'm not actually. I don't know, I'm on an island on this. I've listened, read every article, listened to every podcast, read every national article, and all I ever hear about is, with us is, oh, we've got this new defensive versatility. Like, it's cute. It's a good line. It's, I guess, important. I'm not buying. Like, it's just, like, I just do not think it's nearly as important as everybody else does. But that's, you know, I've been wrong many times in my career, and maybe I'm wrong again. All right, I guess we'll have to see there. I was thinking about this the other day, thinking about when I was thinking about the Jazz. You know, we've seen some pretty good glimpses of Royce O'Neal be extremely good. And so I'm wondering going forward, you know, how good can he be? He's still what I would consider a a fairly young enough player to get better. But what do you think is there for him as far as getting even better than he is now to make even more of a contribution to the team? I think the next step would be whether you add, and I don't know that he actually has to do this to be valuable. I think um, I love the fact that someone like Royce works as hard as he does and tries to improve his skills every day. Um, I always think one of the bigger mistakes players in the NBA make from just a big picture standpoint is they get paid and they then feel like they have to do something more. And the fact is they got paid for doing exactly what they were doing. So frankly, we paid Royce O'Neal or we, the jazz 
paid Royce O'Neal a bunch of money so that he would defend the lead guy every single game. He has done that at a higher rate than any player in all of the NBA, that he hit open threes, he did that brilliantly, and that he would only take about five shots a game, which I actually think the third one is maybe as important as anything else in this roster because there are too many there are not enough possessions to go around for the way this roster is constructed. So if someone like Royce suddenly wants 10 shots, it's a real problem. Um, so, you know, part of me thinks what Royce is exactly is great. The next step for him, and he talked about this in our broadcasters meeting at content day, is, you know, a little bit more ball handling and a little bit more creation for others. So can we suddenly run Royce off some pick and rolls? Royce plays drive and kick. Does that suddenly lead to a, a kick out three maybe for somebody else? Um, as well as anyone else. But, you know, the other thing on him, just to his credit, he has become a terrific rim finisher, and he was not when he first came in the league. That's, that's really what made him viable is that his, he learned how to finish at the rim, and he's, done a, he's strong and physical and learned how to do that. David Locke, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I know you're following the whole NBA. Have you seen any storylines, anything that impacts the Western race here early on that has made you raise an eyebrow? Maybe a team's a little better than you thought. Maybe somebody's got a problem that isn't on everybody else's radar because everybody else is watching college football. So there are three things I've seen so far. They're all kind of related to things I thought about when the year started. Um, So one is Dallas. So I really, really like Dallas. Um, there's a lot to like. Luke is ready to be an MVP. They can spread the floor. They can do all sorts of things. I just don't know about Jason Kidd. He's never won more than 41 games, I think, in his career as a head coach, maybe 44. He's had some really good teams. He's had dysfunction everywhere he's been. And then he comes out and announces that, like, Dwight Powell is starting. Kristaps Przingis is going to play the four, and I don't want him to be, you know, worrying about the three and da 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 and shooting a lot of twos and doing all these kind of things. And, like, well, he's not actually very good at that. So, to me, like that was a little alarming, like that it was almost like Jason Kidd wants to be obstinate for the sake of being obstinate, which, okay, like go for it. We'll see. Um, the second one is just watching Chauncey Billups camp in Portland. Cause I think they're a lot better than anyone realizes. And if they're good, it has massive ramifications on the Western conference. Cause it then means there are seven, if not eight good teams. And what that means is that everyone is now just avoiding the play-in game for the entire first half for the first regular season. If you just think about, like, if this thing's as balanced as we think and the winner is going to win 54-55 games, I think there's a chance that seven could be at 48 wins. That's just a very slim margin between being home court advantage at 51 and play-in game at 47. And so, you know, if Mike Conley's suddenly sitting every back-to-back and you have one other injury, like, are you suddenly just as good as we thought you were, but you're working toward the play-in because the Clippers are much better than people think and the Blazers are, and I do think Portland's way better than anyone thinks. So I've been watching that closely. And then I do think the wild card of the whole West is whether what Russell Westbrook's impact is going to be. And he did a whole press conference about how he's going to be on Anthony Davis all the time, and he's going to be driving him and making him play hard. And to Russ's credit, you can say all you want about Russ and I'll talk about how he's the single least efficient player in the NBA and he's the most negatively impactful offensive player. He makes his teammates play hard. He plays harder than anyone else in the entire league. And I don't know if Anthony Davis has that gear inside of him. And if Russ is riding him, like I think Anthony Davis is as liable to check out as he is to check in. But if he checks in, holy smokes. So um, I think that one's really interesting to watch. How do you think they'll approach the regular season? Because they got four guys who are at least 35 years of age, and then they got another three or four who are over 30. So I think this is the story 
this goes back to the two teams I'm watching the most to start the year are Portland and the Clippers. To me, this is the story of the West. It's a little, you know, maybe second tier, but so I'm watching Portland and the Clippers. And if they're good to start, then what I just talked about is real, that the playing game is going to be at 48 games, 48 wins, 47, 48. I think the Clippers are going to be, thir- I mean, excuse me, I think the Lakers at like the 62 game mark are going to be 34 or 32 and, you know, or 33 and 29. Like, I think they're going to be hovering a little bit above 500, coasting through the year, and then the final 20 games are going to be like, oh, gosh, we got to go. Like, we got to go now. And if they slip as far as I just said, then they would actually have to go, like, 15-3. and three. I, I don't like their roster composition. Um, I don't quite get what they did. I'm not a Russell Westbrook fan. I just gave you the positives and negatives. He is the most negatively impactful offensive player in regards to efficiency in the league. Carmelo's an inefficient offensive player. Anthony Davis had a bad year last year. I think for them to be good, Anthony Davis has to have a Jokic-level year this year. I have them as the ninth-best offensive team in all of the Western Conference and considerably below the good offensive teams, like considerably below. I have them as a 44-win offensive team, which means they have to be elite-level defensive team. They added Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard and – DeAndre Jordan and Russell Westbrook, guys that are 30-plus to be elite defensive team, it doesn't jive to me. So we'll see, and I could be wrong because LeBron and Anthony Davis are that great, but then I hate to say this, but like LeBron's not LeBron anymore. Like he's really, really good, but he's 30-whatever years old. It's like it's like, you know, like his running mate, Dwayne Wade, owns the Jazz, isn't playing with the Jazz. He lost a shooting – no, I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously him looting a shooting contest or Gobert and Whiteside's fun, but not real. Um but it's worth noting, right? Like Carmelo's like on his last leg and barely a player anymore. Wade's retired. Like LeBron is, it's coming to an end at some point. He's not going to be the only player in the history of the league that doesn't age. So I just don't, I think the Lakers, this, I, I think the Clippers in Portland are the two teams that are the most important teams to watch early in the year, because if they're good, the race to avoid the playing game is going to be, you know, astronomical. I guess the Warriors are the other one in there because I'm not sure I get the hype around the Warriors. So they're a non-playoff team that added two rookies who was adding a piece that hasn't played in two years sometime in January, and that's the third highest win total according to that. Like, I was just on betonline.ag today, and they, like, had, I think the Warriors is the third highest, like, or fourth highest win total in the West. Like, really? I don't get it. So I guess the Warriors would be too, because if the Warriors slip out, then there's only seven teams. He's David Locke. He joins us every week right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you, David. You know what's crazy? What? Well, lots in the world right now. But second most crazy thing what? is that when I talk to you on Friday next week, I, we will have called two games. And even more than crazy, we will what? have talked two road games. Hmm. And then the week after that, and then the week after that, they're just going to pile up now. Well, yeah. Like, I'm not thinking about that. <laughs> you're, you're traveling? Are you back to traveling this year? Yes. Okay. All right. Isn't that great? Yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Pick enjoy, me up a t-shirt. Enjoy Texas. <laughs> what, where do you need a t-shirt from, PK? I'm all over it. <laughs> Dallas, you Texas. You want that t-shirt that says, my friend went on a road trip with an NBA team and all I got was a scrappy t-shirt? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, I'll make sure we get one of those for you. <laughs> Thanks, David. All right. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the preseason opener Monday. And then he's got another game Wednesday right here on the Zone Sports Network. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke. Everywhere I go, what do you think of Rudy Gay and Jared Butler? And I was like, I think about Hassan Whiteside. All those conversations about Butler and Trent Forrest and Eric Pascal. The one that slides my meter of where the Jazz are and who they are is Hassan Whiteside. We were horrendous defensively with Rudy off the floor last year. Like, we actually had a glaring statistical weakness defensively for 14 minutes a night, every night, on a team that was the best record in the NBA. If we're, like, above average or even good, because Hassan Whiteside is 7-1 with a 7-5 wingspan, Hassan Whiteside is good. Lights out. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Northern Utah is our home, and the Wildcats are our home team. That's why Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Riverdale is proud to support Weber State University Athletics. And we love Wildcat fans, too. So for hometown deals and a massive new selection, we take care of our own in the best way possible. Come see us at our new location where you can shop at the top at 1481 West Riverdale Road in Save. Riverdale, live here, work here, cheer for the Wildcats here, buy here. Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Riverdale. LHMRiverdale.com. Driven by you. You need a powerful, reliable IT partner. You need Syringa Networks. It's all there. It's cutting-edge telecommunication services backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime needed. And 24-7, 365 network operations feature trained techs who actually answer the phone. Call 385-420-7881 or get started today at syringanetworks.net. syringanetworks.net. The dynamics of retail are changing as more people are making purchases using Amazon. Angora recognizes this and has developed a plan to help you capitalize on marketplace shifts and earn real, tangible profits within the first year. From concept to launch of your own Amazon listings, Angora is there. Angora's team works with you directly to build revenue streams that allow for consistent and sustainable growth. For a free partnership consultation, visit Angora.Solutions. That's Angora.Solutions. Angora, making e-commerce more accessible. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Sataki and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with the post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, PK, we got a week of Pac-12 football without the most popular Pac-12 team in these parts. No Utes, you got to buy, but now you got a chance to scout the conference. Where is it going? Big games. Uh, There are multiple games of interest here. Um, There are also some games that really I'm hard-pressed to care about. I'm different than you because this is my conference, so any any game I'm going to be interested in. Uh, it isn't necessarily relative exclusively to this year. Interested enough to watch every play of the game when there's other games on? 
I mean, I get your point. If that were the only option, I'd be I in because I watch I'm, any. Okay, good. Now you're dialing back. I like it. Second of every there, game, there are locals. There are three games that need to be prioritized that, for different reasons, are interesting. Certainly, the big game nationally, and it's reflected because ABC put it on a ABC at one thirty. Third ranked Oregon is playing Stanford, and Stanford got off to a bad start, and then it's kind of been a roller coaster here. They're good, they're bad, they're good, they're bad. You know what? What are they going to do? And maybe this is just the way they go on their way to seven and five or whatever. But if they're on. They're good enough to at least push Oregon. Maybe they're good enough to pull the upset. They're at home. They don't have a big fan base or raucous crowd, so I don't know how much that's worth, but at least they don't have to travel. They don't have to play in front of Oregon's raucous crowd, so that's positive. And Stanford has given Oregon problems over time, so we'll see how that goes. That's the big game. In the South, well, ASU and UCLA, I mean, right now there's four teams that are thinking the South isn't very good. We could win it. These are two of them going head-to-head, the first of all these head-to-head matchups, so that's interesting. And Utah's next opponent is USC, and they're at Colorado, and they ought to handle Colorado. If they don't, you were joking about this in a commercial break yesterday. If USC doesn't win this, they're going to fire their interim coach and get another interim coach. Oh, yeah, I think they have to, don't they? <laughs> Maybe two and three with a loss to a Colorado team that right now looks like they can't, not only they can't score the ball, they really can't move it. That would seem unimaginable. And unforgivable. You're USC. Come on, man. So I don't expect that by any stretch. I'm surprised that the spread is only seven and a half points. I just don't think Colorado can score enough to keep it that close. Now, if USC is real loose with the ball and turns it over like they did against Oregon State, you give teams short fields or pick sixes, they start scoring. But really, Colorado, this is a struggle for them to get to 20 points. I agree with you. It's a struggle. If you don't give them short fields or that, they're not getting to 20. I agree with you. Yeah. Devil, your Devils got them 35-13. Minnesota blanked them 30 to nothing. Texas A&M squeaked past 10 to 7. These are not impressive. No, they've got a weak <laughs> offense. Yep. And their only win was uh, their money game to open the season. Is that Northern Colorado? Uh, yeah, yeah they beat was. Northern Colorado 35-7. to seven. Yeah. And since then, three games, a grand total of 20 points. They're averaging less than seven wow. points per game yeah. in three games. So I assume USC wins this. They don't have to do much. If they win this thing 24-14, they cover. I, I don't see how they don't win and don't cut. Now, I don't gamble, and there's reason, and that's because I think these things are sure things, and then they don't happen, and I'm an idiot. So... But on the surface right now, not only do I think USC wins, they cover because Colorado can't score. They've set the over-under at 51 points. So I guess that kind of says, well, 27-20 would be 47, right? 28-21 would be 49 points. Colorado scoring three touchdowns, really? You got three touchdowns in three games. Seems seems outrageous to me. I agree. That game's on at noon on the Pac-12 network. Uh, But I got to admit, by halftime, I assume SC's in control, and I'm way more interested in Oregon and Stanford at 130. Way more interested. Now, how good is Oregon? Because you ask yourself, are they playoff good? I don't know yet. They won at Ohio State. So is the, Ohio State playoff the, good? The easy answer is yes, they won at Ohio State. That's a great win. That's a great win. You know Ohio State's good. Are they dominant, super dominant? No, because Oregon beat them. They've got some issues on defense. Oh, they changed uh, play callers. 
But nevertheless, Oregon but, got the job done. And if Oregon goes undefeated, then they will be in. That's always the case. Holy hell would be raised yeah. if it's right, not. No. Undefeated Power 5 team is getting in. I don't think there's any. They've never left one out, and I don't think they're going to. The thing I think is with that win, now I think they can get in as a one-loss team. Depending. <laughs> You're still worried they get aced out. Well, with Clemson having multiple losses, they're done. Right. And that's a staple. So a spot's open that hasn't been open. Uh, one loss, somebody from the SEC with one loss would get in. The, the thing that aces them out is... You got Notre Dame. Two SECs. Oklahoma. Two SECs, Notre Dame. Then a Big Ten or a Big 12 champ could push Ohio, could push Oregon out. Well, it'd be hard to push them out if it's Ohio State and you beat them. Right. So that's that's not really a tiebreaker, but in a sense you have sure, a tiebreaker. But if Michigan wins the league, then... Oh, yeah, well then. Right? Then Oregon could be in trouble. Right. But well, I'm... But I'm not going to believe that till I see it. I'm with you. If Penn State wins the league. Ohio State's one of these. They're Until like they're beaten, they're not chasing beaten. on Halloween or Friday yeah. the 13th. They always seem to you know, slash them and somehow they come back. And if they can't, they'll change the rules. We'll allow them in anyway. They're a massive brand. So, But Oregon, man, take care of business and then let the people vote. And uh, Stanford, you know, I thought Stanford was on to something, and then they lost at home to the Bruins. I know. So I'm not sold on them. That's why Oregon probably wins that game. They go in an eight-point favorite, which to me yeah. it seems more realistic and reasonable given the way Oregon played Ohio State and Fresno State. Oregon's not sitting here blowing out decent teams, but they know how to beat you. And Stanford gets the big win against SC, but then we turn out find out they're not they're nothing. They're not that good. Yeah. So right now, it's uh, the way I view the conference, the Pac-12. It's the Pac-1. Yeah, it's Oregon and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oregon's really good. Washington State, Colorado, and Arizona are really bad, and everybody else you can just put them in a hat and mix them up every week. Maybe somebody will emerge, and we will hold them up as the second-best team. Yeah, the great thing about it is somebody has to emerge from the South, and then you get in a one-game basis, and you sometimes you don't know. A one-game basis is a scary deal. Uh, there's no way I would have picked Oregon to just smoke Utah the way they did a couple years ago, but they did. And who's to say if they would have played two out of three or whatever, but they don't. So if you get, But at the same time, yeah, we've seen some teams kind of stagger into winning the South and then get in there and get killed because they're just not that good. And maybe that's the case. But I'm going to allow these teams to prove me wrong right now. So the third game that I think is really interesting, FS1, 830 at night, Arizona State at UCLA. Oh, it's massive. UCLA by three. I think I'd take UCLA and UCLA to cover. You've done a good job of talking me down on Arizona State. They can rise up, though, man. The talent is there. The discipline hasn't been. So can they it, put it together? Does it all come together? Both teams are 3-1. and one. If someone's going to rise up, well, the winner of this is 4-1. and one. Two I mean, and yeah, I can argue that losing to BYU at home is better than losing to Fresno. Uh, I mean, losing to BYU on the road is better than losing to Fresno at home. Agreed. So they've had the better loss. ASU has the better loss. UCLA has the two better wins. Beating LSU and beating Stanford. 
Don't know how good those teams are yet. I am of the Kyle Whittingham line of thinking. Give me five, six weeks, and then I can tell you. Until we get to that point, I can't tell you. So we'll see there. But, yeah, I can see where you're going. Uh -uh. The Devils have to prove. Right now, Chip Kelly's team has proven a little bit more. You thought, despite your doubts and misgivings about Herm and the direction of the program, you thought they'd be 3-1 and one right now. You thought they were going to beat Southern Utah, you thought they were going to beat UNLV, and you thought they were going to beat Colorado, and they have. Oh, I thought they had a chance to be 4-0. And the fan in me says, well, if you didn't have all those penalties, but yeah. that doesn't mean anything. They had all those penalties. And who knows, if, if uh, Robertson would have gone in, well, he wasn't going to score. Uh, he was going. He was tackled. He's not fast enough. The running back should be able to catch a, a an inside linebacker, or else you're, you got problems at running back. Uh, so uh, you don't you don't know what could happen there. But that the, the problem with that game was the penalties. It wasn't the loss. It was the penalties, the undiscipline, and the no accountability. That was the problem. You yeah. lose that game. Uh, say they just say they had stop uh, BYU on their possession and the Devils went down and they punted and the game ended, the score ended the way it did. Well, all right. But you didn't have those penalties. Can live with that. At least I could. Three and one. I mean, they're not a world beater. But all those penalties were just inexcusable. And following it up two weeks prior with 10 penalties in the first half to SU, that doesn't give me much confidence. Now, maybe they clean it up. Maybe they just say, okay, we're done with it. You know, I've heard that they're going to clean house on the coaching staff, and mm-hmm. and maybe that doesn't matter in the short term. It's trying to predict the South is basically good luck. Good luck <laughs> from week to week. Who knows? And I haven't given up on Utah either, for that matter. One of the four in the mix. I think I've given up on SC. Oh, really? Yeah. Can't get it together now, huh? Messed it up. The quit in them against Oregon State was pathetic. It was. You didn't lose all you want. But have some fire, have some fight. Not like, well, what are we doing here? I'd rather be any place but here. <laughs> I came and I here. sort of saw that. It, it really looked like I came here to play for a national title or a Rose Bowl. Now we don't have a coach. We already got a couple losses. This season's a waste of time. Yeah. Right. Right. So, Which, to his credit, Scott Gerard brought up when we were discussing BYU's schedule. Well, I wasn't because I wasn't on the air yet, but you were. We did the two-hour special, uh, college football, and he's like, oh, BYU's not going to be overwhelmed by USC. USC will have fired their coach and quit on their season by then. Wow, they got ahead of the curve on that one. Getting an early start on that. And if you didn't see the Oregon State game, ooh, sad and pathetic. Lots of turnovers. I did see it. Busted coverage. As guys you know. running wide open, catching passes, going 30 yards before they saw a defender. It yeah, was horrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was horrible. So I'm ruling them out from winning the division. This well, then is you the earliest they've been eliminated ever. You're, so you're going to watch point. them against Colorado just to see if they're good enough to take down the Utes. See if they quit again. Well, yeah, basically. they play the Utes next week. Yeah. Yeah. The other two games. Uh, My job. Washington and Oregon State. The intrigue to me in this game. Obviously, two Northern Division teams. 
And the Utes don't play Washington. They do play Oregon State. How real is Oregon State? And just because we've followed the league a long time, I don't mind seeing Oregon State being better than Washington. I know the English really? cost. Oh, yeah. The Washington fan base. You tell Lincoln Kennedy that next week. Washington fan base. A bunch <laughs> really? of blue bloods with the noses in the air. You, They're you not so? my favorite. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I've been up to their they're, stadium multiple times. They're I haven't not, felt that. They're not, the, um, they're not the most entitled fan base in the conference. Not at all. But Oregon State never wins. And Washington thinks they're supposed to own Oregon State. So Oregon State has a good team and gets them good. Oregon State has really? been pathetic for most of my life. When they get it together, it's like, oh, throw that fan base a bone once in a while. All right, I can see from the Oregon State perspective, I don't have any problem with that. Washington is a team I can work up a lot of hate for. I, I save it for I save it for USC. I save it for uh, Oregon, UCLA, and Washington are like the, they're the second tier. UCLA hasn't been on a roll in so long. Their fans, I mean, they don't even really have fancy games anymore. But there was a time that they drew seventy thousand, and they thought they were pretty special. I think they'll have a nice crowd tomorrow night against the Devils. Hope so. Fifty. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I'd say that'd yeah. be good for where they've been. Fifty would be a major improvement. People come out to see a winner. Yeah, it's yep. a big game. And Washington State, Cal. I'm I'm, I'm having a problem uh, working anything up for that. I assume Cal's going to win that game. I don't think Washington State's very good at all. I think they're headed for last place in the North. Well, Cal's Division. been a disappointment. Yep, but they're going to be good enough to beat Washington State. Nope. You think it could? Though? Well, I don't know who's quarterbacking. Is Borgie playing? They look good until he went down. So I have to see, but I'd probably go with Cal. Yeah, Cal's been a major disappointment. Get him in a close game, and they might blink. Cal and SC have been the biggest disappointment so far in the conference. SC won Cal too. Cal had a chance. Well, well, Washington. Washington, Washington, yeah. But I still expected more out of Cal at this point. Cal had a chance against TCU and didn't do it. They had a chance against Washington and didn't do it. They've been right. in games, but they have not sealed the deal, and they are 1-3. and three. I wouldn't have picked them 1-3. and three. And I, I wouldn't have picked Washington. What are they, 2-2? Two two? Uh, with uh, yeah, who they beat last Cal's, week, Arkansas State. I think Cal's going to win this Cal. game. They're going to lose to Oregon, and then they're going to beat Colorado, and they're going to be 3-4 and four and scrapping to get to 6-6. Six and six. Well, that's the first goal. <laughs> and they still got Arizona out there, so that should be win four. Your goal for Boyle's ability is to get that sixth win in uh, October. So do you think there's a big split between uh, nine and ten in this league? The bottom three teams, Arizona, Colorado, Washington State, and then there's a gap and everybody else is some level of mediocrity, C-minus football, whatever. With the ability to be better on any given week. Or worse on any given week. That is the essence of mediocrity. Um, I mean, you're going to take it lose, certainly, yeah. but you know what is worse? How do you define worse? Should the rest of the league lose to any one of those three teams? No. Well, oh, those three? You're talking about the bottom? Washington but, State, Colorado, no. and Arizona. I would give Washington State maybe a shot. Now, uh, Arizona's now, to the, they've already their third-team quarterback, who was the USF kid last year, McLeod. Uh, and he he looked okay against Oregon last week. The problem is he threw five picks. Uh, uh, threw five picks and looked okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, relative to what they've had. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I didn't watch a whole lot of that game because the other games were on that I had to watch, mm-hmm. and it was more 
excited about because I expected Oregon to beat Arizona. Uh, But I did watch on the replays and on that stuff. If I can't, I try to watch everybody in the 60 and 60, they call it. Or is that... Or is that Scotty and Hands? That's Scotty and Hands. What is it? Just the sixty, the sixty-minute replay that they have on the Pac-12 yeah. Network. They don't call it the sixty. They call it the what? I don't know what they call it. But anyway, I watch that, and they just go right to the line of scrimmage each time. Yep. and squeeze it in in one hour, and so skip a few plays here and there if they uh, have to. They they looked in defeat given the level of competition. I think it's the best Arizona has shown this season. Uh, a couple other games to keep your eye on in the Big 12. Number 21, Baylor is at number 19, Oklahoma State. They're both 4-0. That's on ESPN2 at 5 o'clock. It is. That's a light spot in the Pac-12 schedule. So an easy game to keep your eye on with BYU playing Baylor. And then BYU playing Oklahoma State. In a couple years. <laughs> but Baylor later this season. Uh, that's a good game. A couple other games. Um, if you like the underdog, Cincinnati's playing Notre Dame. That's huge. Can a group of five team get in? Just yeah, huge. now that everyone knows they're going to the Big 12, they'll let them in. <laughs> and they're in an area where they get a ton of run. That's number seven, Cincinnati. At number nine, Notre Dame. Cincinnati's favored by a point and a half. It's a massive game. And ESPN, which, by the way, did you notice ESPN has, I think, three straight SEC games this week? The ESPN and SEC, the marriage is complete. That's what they wanted. Yep. And Arkansas, number eight, Arkansas plays number two, Georgia at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. So top 10 SEC showdown right there, right out of the gate at 10 a.m. Kicking off a, a triple header. And they're mixing up the leagues over on ABC and ESPN. So I'm sure they'll, ESPN two, I'm sure they'll tell you that. But on ESPN, it's one SEC game after another. It's like the SEC network is SEC light and ESPN is SEC heavy. So all the more reason that... The Pac-12 and and the Big 12 and the Big 10 should cut deals with CBS and Fox. Make sure you're taken care of because there aren't that many time slots for you on the mothership. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. There is a Pac-12 and a little national college football preview right here on The Zone Sports Network. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. If Blake Anderson in his first year at Utah State beats a top 13 ranked BYU Cougar team in Logan, it would be overly devastating to Provo. And can you think of the chaos that would ensue in Logan? You'll never pay for another lunch or dinner. Oh, my gosh. In, cash value in year ever. one? In year one against a 4-0 oh. ranked 13th team. There's not a win on his schedule that will do more for him yes. in that city. Could you imagine John Hartwell just made this hire, and this guy comes in in his first year, beats Washington State, a Pac-12 team, gets his team to a 3-1 and start, and then knocks off his in-state rival. It would be insanely big. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time for your feedback, everything you had to say about today's show. And what a show. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, 
Everybody's talking about the game tonight. Utah State, BYU. Scott, I am hoping last week's poor red zone offense for the Aggies was a learning experience. If it was not a learning experience, the Aggies are in for a long night. Well, I don't know when we'll ever see a game like that in which a team gains over 300 yards of offense and a half and produces zero points. That's stunning. I will say that I was a little surprised against Boise State, and I would expect against uh, BYU as well. I was surprised against Boise State that they did not score from outside the red zone. They've got speed. They've got big play capability. They've shown that in multiple games, and I would think that they can score from outside the red zone against BYU. Now, not enough to win the game. To win the game, they're going to have to finish some drives in the red zone. They're not going to score a bunch of touchdowns from outside the red zone, I would Probably think. not. They sucked in money time. I don't know how else to say it. Right. And they obviously, they already know that, and they've got to do better. Because what's the point? That is the ultimate just running in place and going nowhere. Because if you don't get anything out of it, who cares? You can have a 99-yard drive, and if you come away with nothing, it doesn't matter. You can gain confidence from moving the ball. So I suppose that they could look at that and think, you know, we were able to move the ball in that first half. We just didn't finish the deal. We made mistakes, whatever, and blocks and all that stuff. So... All sorts of stuff to clean up, so you can take maybe maybe it's not uh, it's too strong to say you took nothing out of it because you can take a level of success. It's not like they were snuffed like last year they had no offense, right? They just couldn't get anything going at any point. So here they did. They just didn't figure out ways to finish it. Credit Boise State, obviously. So if they improve on that, then yeah, that's obviously going to make a huge difference. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Vote at Twitter. Got the poll up to see who you think is going to win the game and can BYU win in a blowout and cover that 9.5 point spread. DJ and PK, that's it for us. Hans and Scotty are coming up next.